Happy Halloween. You're tuned to The Trail Show. Get on the trail! Long-time listener, first-time caller. Arriba, 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 tota! It's The Trail Show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's The Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Stanton Studio in various historic Colorado, South Carolina, Vermont, and New Mexico beer districts. This is The Trail Show. The Trail Show is the longest-running monthly hiking podcast on the planet. It's been downloaded over one trillion times all over the globe. We are on the air and everywhere and heard worldwide on all your favorite apps and at thetrailshow.com. If you are not on the Trail Show mailing list, you should be. Subscribe right now at thetrailshow.com. All right, folks, it's October and fall is in full effect. Cooler temps and even cooler colors abound across the United Ooh, States. It's nice. We hope you've been able to get on the trail to see it. POD, what is on the trail show menu this evening? Man, tonight is going to be a bit of um, some spitballing. We're going to just, we got a couple of Zoom guests that are going to drop in on us. Dilo is currently at a, a, a sixth grade band concert. He could drop in at any moment. Hopefully, San, sans the sixth grade band music background. Yeah. Um, else I'll have to mute him like I always do. A bonus do, show. So. A bonus show. <laughs> yes. Recording of the sixth grade band. Yes. Well, then we have to charge for that. Yeah. Actually, we might have to pay people for that. But uh, anyway, um, we got some some news. We got some questions. We got some donors. You know, all the good stuff. And we've got all the important members of the trail show right here. Wow. <laughs> Dealing wow. Ears. Yeah. That's all right. He never but listens you, to the show. Yeah, you're be he never listens. He listens to this episode. Uh, he doesn't listen. Yeah. And speaking of Dilo, let's get right into Mike DiLorenzo's Beer of the Month. Yes. Dilo, take it away. Yep. So Dilo's not here. Um, and I'm holding a beer from Pennsylvania, care of Slackjaw, uh, who dropped a, a metric ton of alcohol at our house this is i've sampled them all at this point and i'll be resampling them all throughout episodes of the trail show this is my favorite one slack jaw it is the pearl oh my eye new england style ipa from bent run brewing company out of warren pennsylvania and in true delo fashion i'm going to read a little bit from the side of the can oh please do pearl oh my eye a game changer of an ipa a very tropical, hazy, or juicy India pale ale. Made with juicy. pearl malt and five other grains, we had hops six times during the boil and twice in fermentation. We call this IPA the converter because many who consider themselves to not like IPAs often think differently after trying this one. Coming in at 7.2% ABV and 68 IBUs, it is the pearl of my eye. New England style IPA from Bent Run Brewing. Thank you, Slack Jaw. This thing is delicious. I have to yeah. say, even though I'm doing a semi-sober year, I have sipped out of the couple of those cans. Um, that one's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah. So when Disco got back from Mexico, I had put some of the beer in the fridge because, you know, most people like their beer cold. And uh, Disco came home and opened the fridge door and was like, what? And he had some. And then he was like, oh, like, I think you sampled all the ones that were in there. And then you were like, is there are, are there any more of this kind? And I was like, no, I don't think so. But there's other kinds. Yeah. And then there's this one little secret stash secret stash area that we have. I was like, there's some more down there. And he opened the cabinet door and was like, oh, my God, yeah. there's so much beer in here. Yeah. So, yeah. Slack but I do it, thank you for that. I, I do it for Trail Show Nation. I do the heavy lifting of sampling all those. Really? It's, mm-hmm. It is, man. It's a lot of time to drink those beers. It's a lot of effort. You know, it's I mean, I do it for listeners. Now, Triple O, I saw you with a brown bottle over there. You got some 1245? I do. I actually got a beer for today, but it's just a sour ale. It's a very boring can. It's from our bottle. It's from the old Mecklenburg Brewery in, hmm. I think, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, Mecklenburg yeah. County. It's just a sour ale. It has no exciting text whatsoever, but it was is it, quite refreshing. It's good. It's a good beer. Yeah. Nice. It is cool. a little on the low side, so if you're trying to get junk, 4.4%, maybe not the best choice. Man, <laughs> some of these some of these beers slack jaw. I think there's uh, one that's 10%. There's a couple that are nine. Yeah, like, they got Frito Roll Tide written all over yeah, them. Yeah, we need your, your brother over here to <laughs> help us hey, on those. Do you all know where the term India Pale Ale comes from? Yes. Like, why is it called India Pale? Because when they were sending, when the Brits were over in India, they were sending beer over and they added all the hops to preserve, I think. This is like all of my history knowledge. It's very spotty, a little translucent, lots of holes, but it was a preservation technique. And so they were sending the gross English beer over to India and they added the hops to preserve it. And it would make the journey. Exactly. That's right. Excellent. Is that correct? Am I correct? Roughly? I, I am curious, though. Like, could you go to India today and find IPA, IPA like at a local bar in uh, India? Maybe today you could. But my guess is that, like, if you went back. But who knows? I actually don't know. I'm just, I have no I'm idea. just spitballing here. I said there was going to be a lot of spitballing. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to ask. We'll have to ask somebody. Any beer I've ever enjoyed at an Indian restaurant here in the United States has been a lager. Yeah, I wonder if it was just with the Brits and then it left with the Brits. We'll have, and they were the ones who drank it. We need to bring Scooby on the show. Mm. We haven't had him on the show in like ten years. That's uh, you know what, and listeners, we need to gather some beer questions. Get your beer questions together. You can call them in. You can email them. And then we haven't had Scooby on in a long time. We'll have yeah. him on. We'll we'll ask him our beer questions. And you can we'll send start... your beer questions to beer at the trailshow.com. That is a valid email address. True. And I think it comes to me. Yeah. So I'll do that. Cool. Well, let's get into mm-hmm. trail news. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have trail news. Here it is. There were 84 triple crowners this year. <laughs> or what? 84 That's people insane. claimed their triple crown this year. Is that a typo? No. 
84? Yeah. That's a high number. Yeah, it's crazy. You you sent me this information. I already forgot, man. I, I'm busy. I got <laughs> stuff going on. So that's the first uh, news item. Uh, another news item, uh, Renee Shira Patrick, former guest on the show several times. She, yeah, she launched a new business and we talked about it. It's called Long Distance Trail Consulting. And she launched a, a survey when she launched her business. And it was actually a really interesting survey. Like, just to take it, you kind of like forced you to be a little meta about your own purposes in hiking and things. It was very interesting. Anyway, based on the feedback, she's launching an online ser- series called Intentional Hiking, A Conversation. And by the time this episode comes out, the first session will have already passed, but it's free. And you don't you don't have to do the whole series. I think there's going to be six um, online kind of mediated discussions uh, you don't have to pay. You don't have to do all six of them. You can just do one or four or whatever. Uh, and you can find the, it's an online discussion series focused on our relationship with the environment, our trails, and each other. And you can go to intentionalhiking.com to register for the free sessions. I think cool. um, the White Blazes guy is going to be one of their series as well. Jim Blodgett. I think Jim Blodgett. Oh, is Jim Blodgett. Do... I'm glad you brought Jim yes. Blodgett up. He's been Jim doing... Blodgett's going to be doing one of their yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 does the uh, the clicker for the the white blazes on the AT. Right. That's his. That's correct. His... Okay. That's that's very good. We'll look forward to hearing from Jim Blodgett. Yes. So that'll be exciting. So that's item number two. Okay. Let's see our next item in trail news. Oh, this was kind of sad. Um, a dog attacked and killed a runner in Austria. This was sent to me by the German vampire. Um, so in, uh, let's see here, this text is great. In Narn, a small rural municipality near Linz, there was a 37-year-old lady that had a dog. Um, she was walking, I don't know, she had a dog. She was walking her dog, and a six-year-old woman ran by, and the dog went berserk and attacked the lady and she died from her injuries so um the german vampire sent this article and then he said it would be interesting to do some research about the number of people that are killed by domesticated animals versus um wild animals you know i don't i don't want to interrupt here but one thing that i have learned here in salida colorado on the trails is that and i learned this the hard way three times before i finally got it into my thick head um i don't run by dogs anymore when i'm on a trail even if i'm trail if i'm out trail running and i see a dog up ahead i stop and i I go down to a walking pace some dogs so you don't right some some dogs some friendly dogs get triggered by running humans running close to them like i don't know what it is so running by dogs uh, a lot well, of the time is fine but yeah a lot of dogs not. have like you know if they're uh like collies or whatever like they have that oh, instinct yeah. to like yeah, herd yeah so i've been i've been nipped by a border collie that was trying to herd mm-hmm. me on a yeah. trail here we have uh across oh, the street man. here our neighbor they have a, a very large lab named clover and she's older and she's so sweet and um man she always barrels when she sees yeah. you she, like barrels towards you with her tail wagon and then she swerves at the last minute, so it's fine. But like after my back surgery, the first time I saw her, she came running at me. I was like, oh no, no, don't run into me. But anyway, 
Anyway, um, our last item. This is a very important news item. Uh, a woman in Michigan was rescued after getting stuck in a composting toilet hole of an outhouse while trying to retrieve her Apple Watch. And I feel like we do a story like this every other month now. <laughs> the officials had to remind people to not climb in toilets because apparently oh. that's something that people forget. <laughs> And she was stuck in there for like a while and someone heard her yelling, called the police, and they actually had to remove the toilet. They had to remove the bolts around the bottom and lift the whole toilet casing off in order to get her out. So and she, and no, she was she was in the thick of it, so to speak. Yeah, it says the toilet had to be removed and then they had to use a strap to hoist her out. Oh. So, and no word on if she was able to save her watch or not. <laughs> Who knows? Certainly couldn't save her dignity. You know, That's I mean, right. seriously, people go upside down in composting toilets every other month now to retrieve a phone or a watch or a phone. And just don't do it. It's, yeah. this is not good form. It's, it's not a good idea. Wait, wait. So, should you leave your phone in the composting toilet? But it's not. Yes. Compost, but it's not compostable. Well, that's true. But if you don't but, have a tool to get it out, but, maybe you leave a note for the Forest Service. Yeah. Sorry. What if, what if you just had like your friend hold your ankles? <laughs> well, like a tool. I mean, you should just oh, get it. Like a child. What if you had a child? <laughs> that's okay. Child? I endorse that. <laughs> that's, my As dad actually floated that idea one time when he dropped some earrings. There were oh yeah, yeah that's right. So yeah, and, don't and use your child because he's still. Did your mom? Harassed. Did did your mom say put the kibosh on that or or what? Like, well, she wasn't somebody... there. There were yeah. presents for her. I put the kibosh on it because I was going to be the one head first into the toilet. In the toilet, yeah. And we ended oh, up using God. a fishing line to fish them out with a. Huh. With did a it work? Line. Yeah, it worked. There you go. Still have the. I mean, I feel there. like I feel like the people who who take maintain these toilets. If they're maintaining it, and they found a, a smartphone or a watch. They're not going to be like those assholes are throwing their trash in here. They're going to be like someone dropped their phone in here on accident. You know, it's not be, like, it'd be it's not like finding funny. a diaper or like a Snickers wrapper or whatever. It'd be kind of funny, like if you drop the phone in there, and then you're just like, oh well, I lost the phone. And then like every day at a certain time, you call the phone. Somebody's in there taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and like they hear a phone ringing from beneath them uh, yeah. that would be a no, startling they would, know, they would know exactly what happened oh, and then they might try to go down and retrieve it themselves oh boy well so, good for yeah. them yeah, yeah. Good for them. working on those karma points i'm gonna get oh, that phone and save that person okay yeah anyway, any, any other trail news this that is it for trail news short and unimportant like i like to keep the news Let's welcome Dilo to the room. Dilo, thanks for joining us. How was the trumpet, the sixth grade band concert you went to? The sixth grade band concert was actually quite nice. It was um, sounded pretty good, believe it or not. And then there was the chorus. Okay. And then the three of us walked over and caught the end of the, high, uh, the middle school football game, which was fun. Wow. Wow. You yeah. did all that and made it like, for the trail show. I'm only here for a short while because I have to, I have to, make myself vacant in okay. about a half hour all right well we, we have uh what do you mean yeah. you got to make yourself vacant well i have to 
He has to vacate. Can I take it down? I have to make myself vacant and, and make sure that some children go to sleep. Okay. We have another very special guest here this evening. Tonight, we have a former expert in the fine arts of smoking cigars and occupying a bar stool. Our guest has spent a lot of time walking across the planet and observing nature and the humans who visit it. He's the former contributing editor at Backpacker Magazine and longtime editor of the Mountain Gazette. He's author of such books as Smoke Signals, When in Doubt, Go Higher, Up at Altitude, and his latest book, A Long Tangent, Musings by an Old Man and His Young Dog Hiking Every Day for a Year, which is the subject of tonight's discussion. Coming to us live from Gila country, let's give a warm welcome to returning guest, M. John Fahey. Woohoo! Thank hey, you, thank John. you. Thanks for having me. How's Gila hey. country? Gila country is actually very, very pleasant right now. Probably 60 degrees, mm. clear skies, nice beer drinking weather. Okay. <laughs> Based on your book, I'm not sure there's a non-beer drinking weather season for you well i don't think my book is the only thing that has ever addressed that subject but yes I, true. I, I i have gotten into it it is a you're right <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else to add to that every weather is good beer drinking weather yeah trail show historians might take note that john fahey was last on the trail show in October of 2015, some eight years ago, Trail Show 41, he came and talked to us about the Copper Canyon. So, John, what's what's happened in the last eight years? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a blur. Okay. Um, I've actually, I would say in the last eight years, I, I've led a comfortably quiet existence. And then I got the... Uh, the, the bug up my posterior to pursue this project of hiking every day for a year. And uh, that has basically it's, it's uh, cut into my beer drinking time, which <laughs> I, I advise against undertaking any kind of project like that. But anyway, I was getting ready to turn 60 and I decided to hike every day for a year. And uh, then a couple years later, I decided to write a book about it. And the okay. first was a good decision. I'm not so sure about the second part of that. So the book just came out in September. It, it, is, it is fresh off the press. Yeah. It, so that specific birthday was the impetus for the the challenge and then the subsequent book. Do, do I have that correct? Yes, but they were not they were not immediately interrelated. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I I was getting ready to turn 60 and I was I was sitting on a bar stool i know that will come as a big shock to everybody mm. um I was, I was in a pensive mood i mean i was i was thinking about the impending decade change and and i don't know why those birthdays resonate more than say turning 57 or turning 62 right. but right but they seem to yeah and, and I, I was trying to come up with an idea to do something that i'd be proud of if if i achieved it but it was achievable. I didn't want to start, start on something and fail. That would really make turning 60 really suck. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the, the previous year, I had hiked 41 straight days in, in an attempt to drop a few pounds before a high school reunion. And I just sort of played on that. I, I was jotting some things down on a cocktail napkin or might, might have been a beer coaster. It was one of those two. And uh, I, I decided that I wanted to hike 100 straight days. Mm. And then I had a few more beers. And by the time I got home, it was like only a 
you would think 100 straight days, I'm going to hike for a whole year. And uh, unlike some of my long hikes, you know, the Appalachian Trail and the Arizona Trail and such, which require a lot of planning, as you guys know, mm-hmm. I, I, I got up the next morning and I, and I undertook, began, began this quest the very next morning. And I ended up making it 367 days with the only criteria being each hike had to be a minimum of an hour. And most of them were much longer than that. And they had to take place out in the forest. So walking around town or walking around my neighborhood did not count. Um, And I ended up making it 367 days. So I I have to ask, I haven't got to the end of the book. So if this is going to spoil the book for the people like me who are like halfway through it, why only 367? Why didn't you keep going? What made you stop? Well, that is an excellent question. First of all, the goal was a year. Mm -hmm. so so once i achieved the goal uh, i mean it's like you know you get to you get to katahdin when you hike the at you know why not turn around and keep hiking you know you 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 get to your goal and the other thing was the reason that i stopped then was because we were just in a situation where i was unable to hike for a day for a particular day Um, we were in a wonderful town called farmington new mexico and it was about 195,000 degrees god and (laughs) there was just no way to get in an hour hike i just but but I'd hiked this I I had done the 367 days and that was uh, that was good enough um, and and not long thereafter I started kind of started going again and hiked 48 straight days um, then I then I made the mistake of going to Aspen and catching the flu which knocked oh, yeah. me on my tail for three weeks so anyway I I, I finished what I had intended to do and that and that was good enough so but why yeah. didn't you take day 366 off why did you get back out there. Was well, it? it it ended up the it was it was it was a a problem with math. It was a leap year. <laughs> oh, and, uh. and I ended on the same date that oh. I started. Hmm. So it ended up being, and I was sitting there thinking, I didn't realize it was three hundred sixty-seven days until I started adding this up later. I thought it was three sixty-five, but it ended up it was three sixty-seven. So. Anyway, with leap year, uh, it added an extra day, and and I started. I ended on the same date that I started. Much wow. better to, to yeah. be sure than to yes. end on accident a day before the year is up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that would have totally screwed my psyche up. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Would there would there have even been a book if you only went 364 days? I mean, um, oh, I, I could have lied. Um, I mean, that, that would have been. <laughs> or it could have been like hiking every day for 364 days. My great yeah. failure. Almost, <laughs> almost a year. Almost, almost a year. awesome. Well, I mean, I mean, the the thing, the thing to stress about this is, is I, I was not intending to write a book about this at all. Right. I was just doing this thing, yeah. and it, it was it was only a couple of years afterward that some somebody actually suggested to me that I write a book about it. And when I wrote the book, I did so with the idea of never attempting to have it published. Hmm. So so I did this year-long thing without the idea of writing a book. Then I wrote the book without the idea of ever getting it published. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, my alma mater, which is located in Silver City, where I live, launched its own university press. Mm. And somebody Mm. pointed me toward it. And... I knew a couple of people on the on the on the advisory board, so I knew I had an in. And I said, ah, what the hell? I might as well I might as well attempt to get it published. But the problem was, 
and this was sort of a non-negligible problem. The manuscript was two hundred thousand words. Oh, yeah. This this is this is slightly wow. verbose. But like I say, I, I wrote the book with the with no intention whatsoever of submitting it to a publisher. So I included everything that occurred to me during that year. But if I would have submitted two hundred thousand words, <laughs> I would have been laughed out of the county. Yeah. Right. So I, I did something I've never done in any of my previous books. I hired a couple of beta readers. Mm -hmm. And these are people that I knew that I've known for a long time. And I knew that they would tell me if something sucked. And I have been their editor before. Mm -hmm. So they were thinking this is an excellent opportunity to, to turn <laughs> things around. And uh, they they had no problem whatsoever in telling me when certain things sucked. And my rule was, if if e if either of the two of them said this sucks, I cut it, okay. and and I ended up getting it down to one hundred twenty thousand words, which is still a little on the lengthy side, but it was submittable, and I and I submitted it, and lo and behold, to my shock and dismay, they accepted it with the caveat that I had to cut it down to about quote unquote about ninety thousand words. And it ended up being 96,000 words, which I think is about 90,000 words. And by any sure. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so it was 96,000 words. So it's like 400 pages. And I, I, I still look back and say, I can't believe that I cut those 19 chapters that I wanted to get in there. But somebody brought it to my attention that by cutting over 100,000 words, I have another book already you written. You do. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. It is. So, totally. so my, I don't know what, what my next thing is going to be then hiking for 22 straight day. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how I would do it. So anyway, so the well, book I, came out in September. We, we, we spent we spent the month of August in Iceland where I, where I hiked the Lagavegger Trail. Oh, and I was supposed to have books in hand before we left Iceland. And they were not in hand. I didn't get them until we got back. And this was like three days before a book launch party where people were flying in from all over the country. So let's just add a little extra tension to the situation <laughs> with the potential of not having books for the big book launch party. But anyway, all is well. And I just did a month long book signing tour in Colorado and I'm back in New Mexico and ready for a nice decompression period. Oh, well, I have nice. a, uh, I have a uh, very quick story, a comment and a question for you. So uh, not having books in hand, uh, Disco's actually written a couple of books as well. And we drove to Crested Butte to the local bookstore there. We used to live in Crested Butte. And our friend Arvin owns that bookstore. And we drove there for a, a, a reading and a book signing or whatever. And we drove halfway there and camped. The disco had terrible altitude sickness because we were camped yeah. up on um, Cottonwood Pass Road. Yeah. We drove down to BV. And as we're driving down there, he realized he didn't have any books. So we got I a hotel to room. bring the books. You got a hotel room and I drove all the way back to Denver and then all the way oh. back to BV to get some books. Anyway, uh, that was my anecdote. My comment was that I really appreciated the um, the perspective of having the dog because um, I, too, had a really beloved dog. I've only ever really had one dog and he was my my one and only. And he did a ton of stuff with me, hiked the entire Colorado Trail and and was my outdoor pal as I became an outdoors person. So I really loved um, that perspective of, the, you know, the little chapter that you did through his eyes or her eyes. And right, also, yeah. yeah, and also 
just just the the element that that adds you know the element of having a a well-trained and devoted dog on your outdoor adventures it's such a different experience you know um it's hard to explain unless somebody has experienced that like intimately um so i really appreciated that and and the question that i had was about knowing that 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 you there was a significant amount of time between the the actual adventure and then the writing of the book and you weren't intending to write a book are you a person who keeps journals i'm just curious about how you were able to like you know go back because it's pretty detailed you know there's a lot of great detail in there well that is another excellent question quit asking me excellent questions would you <laughs> um the i actually do most of my writing when i'm hiking Okay. Of course, not not literally. I'm not right. No, yeah, I know what you mean. But that's when I do my my thinking. I, I've always been a daydreamer. Mm -hmm. My mind wanders. I think that's the main reason I became an avid hiker. Was was I I enjoy that. Um, and and as soon as I get home or go to the bar, one of the two. It's always one of those two, either the bar or home. Um, I will either jot some stuff down that I was thinking about while on the trail, or I will uh, put something on social media. So I was able to go back and recount my experiences uh, in that. And I also have a fairly decent memory. But the main thing I would say in answer to that question is that a significant percentage of the narrative was memory lane sort of things. Mm -hmm. So so the, the, I think the best example of, of that in this book was a guy at a trailhead complimented my hiking stick. Yeah. And, yeah, and that. that gave me the opportunity to reminisce for something like 5,000 words on my longtime relationship with hiking sticks. Now, mm -hmm. Colorado is a trekking pole state. Everybody has titanium shock mm -hmm. absorber trekking poles. New Mexico, there are still a high percentage of hikers use hiking sticks. We, we meet each other on the trail and we exchange origin stories about our hiking mm -hmm. sticks. And, and anyway, that gave me the opportunity to, to riff on hiking sticks. Um, the, the CDT goes right by near mm -hmm. our house. And and many times I have picked up is a long road walking section. Yeah. Many times I've picked up CDT hikers and taken them to the trailhead because it's a long five miles of road walking. And zero times of dozens and dozens of CDT through hikers has anybody ever introduced themselves to me as Bill or Joan. It's always Windwalker or Aspen right. Foot or, or whatever trail handles. <laughs> that that Aspen gave me the foot. opportunity to riff for probably too many thousand words on trail handles and uh so so a, a lot of the text was memory lane oriented mm -hmm. um and but i but i would put things on social media when i got back um i would i have a drawer full of beer coasters and cocktail napkins with notes jotted down on it so it was definitely a potpourri of of things am i an avid journal keeper no, because I mainly because I don't want to be handcuffed by the facts. I want to be able to misremember things as I'm putting together a narrative. Amen to that. Yeah. Like my news coverage. It's like, you know, the, it's kind of spotty, <laughs> but yeah, the, the basics are there. So, so John, I want to talk to you about the conversation you have with your younger self. But, but before we get there, um, you brought up a phrase that I've never seen brought up in a book before but was a part of my childhood. I grew up in South Carolina, lived for a while in Virginia, both in Blacksburg, Richmond, um, and Fredericksburg, oddly enough. 
it, it was day 82. You mentioned the phrase, the devil's beating his wife mm-hmm. to, re- to refer to something that most people know as a sun shower. So essentially when it's raining and the sun's out. So when I grew up in upstate South Carolina. I first heard that it was probably five years old and some old guy down the street, one of those days where it's raining while the sun's out, he said the devil's beating his wife. And I told POD about that. You know, she's from Michigan. She thought I was crazy, but you brought well, it you up. You just said your... it one day and I was like, what the, what? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, most people that did not, that don't hail from the Southeastern United States would have that reaction. But I, John, I appreciate you bringing that up in your book and putting it, you know, ink on paper, putting it into text. Well, I, I actually bounced that off of a couple of my friends back in Virginia, uh, okay. Eastern Virginia, a little, little farther East than where, where you were down in the swamp country to make sure that I was remembering that correctly. Oh, that's correct. And, and everybody said, of course, you know, that's exactly <laughs> what, I mean, what a bizarre phrase. Yeah. And, and anyway, I, I've always thought it was a very ugly, ugly phrase, but I it guess is. it's, it's terrible. Not it makes used. no sense. Horrible. Who, who knew the devil yeah. had a wife anyway? <laughs> yeah, who knew? Well, the whole thing, you know, the Dutch, I think it's the Dutch have an expression. So we say when it rains, it pours. Uh-huh. And their expression translates into the devil shits in one pile, which I think is a fantastic fantastic well i mean who who how do they know that <laughs> i just say it also sounds like it could come from the south like i can just hear somebody saying the devil shits in one pile you know and oh everybody would nod their head like they knew it yes <laughs> yeah absolutely all right all right uh, moving on from the devil um yes so day 88 i really enjoyed uh this day so you had a conversation by the way i blame you for getting me out on a trail run recently because of something you said during your day 88 so so you you kind of had this conversation with your younger self Mm. and i thought it was really unique i mean you did a couple of things that were unique in this in this book including if the gila for if the gila national forest had a voice Mm -hmm. or gila wilderness had a voice that conversation was also interesting but you had a conversation with your younger self in a spot that you yourself visited, I believe in your twenties. So just, I don't know, just talk to us a little bit about that. Like would that conversation with your 20 year old self still be the same? Would would you have added a few things since, since then? Like what was the whole idea there? When I first moved back to the Gila country, now, now my, my hi- history in, in the mountain time zone is almost 50 years now. And I moved out here when I was 20 in 1976. Uh, I had a, I had like a dinky little half tennis scholarship at Western New Mexico university. I used to be an avid tennis player and I'd never been anywhere near her before. And I lived here for, I think about five years and then spent 24 years living in the Colorado high country and then moved back to silver city in the, uh, in 2006. And a lot of my Colorado friends, were assuming that I was attempting to reconnect with my younger self. I mean, moving back to your college town, right? A lot of people think that's so that that's psychologically a weird thing, and, and I was insistent that I was not I was not looking to to touch base with my youthful self, and I think I've lived up to that. That's not the reason I moved back here, um, but I but I did decide during this year long undertaking to 
attempt to follow the exact route of my very first backpacking trip in the Gila. And that sort of demanded that I reconnect to the 20, 20 year old John Fahey yeah. on that exact same route. There was no, there was no other way to not, not look at it that way. And, and I think that what, what I enjoyed most about that chapter, which I consider to be the crux chapter of this entire book mm-hmm. was the fact that it wasn't necessarily the older Fahey wagging a finger at the younger Fahey. Yeah. It was a younger Fahey wagging a finger at the older Fahey. Exactly. Um, the younger Fahey was almost a little bit embarrassed by the older Fahey. So, so ordinarily it would be the other way around. It'd be the old Fahey saying, do this or don't do that, which there was a little bit of that in there. But, but the, the, the main thing about that chapter was it's a miracle that I did not get killed on my very first backpacking trip into the Gila. I mean, I had a river rock explode right next to my head. And, and so it was almost the Gila telling me, you know, that I need to be on my toes or something that that I'm in a different environment. And and what's sort of interesting, you guys alluded earlier to Arvin Ram, who owns the bookstore in Crest Butte. Arvin's actually working on a book about the Gila, a book of fiction about the Gila. Mm. And I was just doing a book reading at at his bookstore in Crest Butte, a wonderful bookstore, as you guys know. Yes. And we were talking, we went out, we went out afterwards to uh, the Talk of the Town bar in Crest Butte. Yeah. And he said in his limited experience in the Gila, his main observation about the Gila is that the Gila wants to kill you. (laughs) <laughs> and and I, I, I've, I've and this was about a month and a half ago that he used no not even that a month ago that he used those words and and i've sort of danced around that over the years mm-hmm. and i've come to the conclusion that that it's it's a it's a pretty accurate observation all my years living and in, in hiking and camping in colorado i never felt that colorado wanted to kill me the plenty of opportunity to die. I mean, avalanches, every, you know, the, the list is long, lightning strikes. But uh, but I did not feel that it was it was uh, uh, an evil place. And I don't necessarily think that the Gila is an evil place. No. Either, but one thing I would say, and I tell this story quite often about the Gila. There's, there's, a, there's a scenic overlook near the Gila cliff dwellings on the way to the Gila cliff dwellings, which is a, which is a cherry stem road into the Gila wilderness. So 50 feet on either side of this dead end road is the Gila wilderness. And you can see forever and it's empty, rough looking country. And whenever I've seen anybody like license plate from Minnesota or whatever, standing at that overlook, they huddle closer together. There's just some kind of vibe Mm. about the place that if you even in a minor fashion screw up, they're going to be finding your skeleton two years down mm-hmm. the road. Yeah, and and definitely w- when I go out into the woods here, it is with, and I hadn't thought about this really as much until Arvin made that statement, that when I go out in the woods here, it is with a different mindset than when I go out into the woods in the Colorado high country where I lived comfortably and happily for a very long time. Um, so the fact that I had this river rock blow up next to my head as I was blowing on a fire and the only thing that happened was the shards landed and burned holes in my ground cloth. It was it was an eye opener, and I've 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 looked at the Gila from that through that prism ever since. Mm-hmm. I screw up, I die. Maybe that's melodramatic, but it makes for good copy, so I'll, I'll stick with it. <laughs> well, and, and John, you shared that 
in, in one of those foot and foot in your mouth moments, you shared that story with a group of folks, one of which whose brother had actually died, died from having a river rock explode due See, to using it and, kill, and killed him. Yeah. Killed him. I mean, that was, it was a few months later when I'd started making some friends here, we were camping down on the boot hill, sitting around a campfire drinking. And I related that story and the whole, everybody went quiet yeah. And it was like, oh God, I've 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 just moved to a place where murderous rocks are apparently fairly common. So anyway, that's uh yeah, that's that yeah. story. But then yeah, but that that day 88, that 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 chapter there that it took me a long time to write that chapter. I didn't quite know how to do it. Um mm -hmm. I wanted to be somewhat experimental in this manuscript. I mean, I've done yeah. numerous hiking books that, that amounted to, I mean, you guys know the drill. I got up mm -hmm. the next morning and put one foot after another. I saw a pretty waterfall and I got some blisters and uh, several of the books I did with John Fielder um, were those kinds of hiking books. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I don't know, it sounds presumptuous to say redefine the genre, but at least do a different, different take on the genre. Yeah. Um, whether I pulled it off or not, I don't know. That's up to the reader. That's a great chapter. And along the same lines, talk to us briefly about, the idea with it was only it might have been the day or two after that one it was like if the gila wilderness and i were to have a conversation what would the gila wilderness say it turns out the gila wilderness was a little pissed off <laughs> yeah um a, a friend of mine in colorado uh when she was asking me what attracted me to the gila wilderness i was kind of stammering and, and i found myself relating almost almost chamber of commerce marketing <laughs> slogans the weather's nice you know all that kind of stuff and she used the term, it speaks to you. Yeah. And I and I got thinking about that. Like, what if the Gila, what if the Gila could speak to me? And, and you know, that's you want to talk about you know, pulling a concept out of my sphincter. You know, that was <laughs> but but you know, we we are we we have been discovered here. Yeah. We are becoming we are becoming a destination outdoor town. The, the Subaru outback factor is increasing exponentially. They're starting to be people wagging their finger about dogs off leash. You know, there, there is that there it's, it's, it's definitely happening. changing. <laughs> and I, I don't necessarily think that the Gila thinks that's a great thing. And so I concocted this chapter on if the Gila could talk to me and, and, you know, what, first of all, what tone of voice would it be? And, and my initial thought when I was conceiving that chapter was that it would be this matronly earth mother with a, ample bosom snuggling me up and offering me some herbal tea and nah. uh that that's that that's not what i ended up thinking the gila you 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 worded it perfectly the gila is, is pissed off <laughs> and we are to the point in our outdoor recreation evolution here where people are thinking let's just build new trails i mean that's that's you know that's the basic thing let's build new trails with no thought whatsoever to the potential environmental impact of building new trails. I mean, that's not something the outdoor community really is interested in talking about a lot. And if you do bring the subject up, and I've been bringing it up for many years, you are a old curmudgeon who wants to close the gate behind you. I mean, there are all these pejoratives that come with that. But but anyway, we are in that point right now where the business community in, in, in Southwest New Mexico, the, a guy used a term one time, I thought I was going to smack him. He said, we are underutilizing the resource 
talking about the healer. <laughs> mm. and, and, and I've regretted ever since that I didn't just smack this guy because I, I, you know, I look at the healer as something a little bit deeper than a resource. But anyway, we are in that point right now where where the local business community here, and God bless them, I want our local business community to, to, to thrive, um, but not necessarily at the expense of the Gila. And I at least want people to think about the potential environmental ramifications of the outdoor recreation industry. Um, I want us to look in the mirror, which we are not very good at doing. We look in the mirror sometimes when we when we talk about ancillary issues like housing crises in in ski mm -hmm. towns mm -hmm. but as far as what our potential impact is as individuals walking through the i mean there there's there's more literature about that subject now than there ever has been but still if you bring it up you're an old curmudgeon and i guess i'm an old curmudgeon i guess that's what it is but the gila was pissed off and i think the gila is pissed off no other way around it yeah well i mean i feel like that's the entirety of mother earth right now right just like Yo, got mad chafing, my ass is on fire, and yet you still keep doing the stuff. Like, yeah, what's yeah. up? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. That that this this is a very specific example of a, of a much larger mm -hmm. issue, no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, that's a great example. I also like on a completely different note. There was a chapter I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> You're talking about maybe going to the bar and like looking a certain way after your hikes, you know. Um, after you've been the hiking shovel? and like stick falling yeah. into the beer, yes. And I just like I, I feel like because I am a woman, I am kind of forced to occupy lots of different spaces that I don't necessarily want to or care about. Um, and one of those is like as as a as a female who hikes in Colorado sometimes in more popular places i definitely am aware of the difference between the way i look and the way other women look on trail you know they look very put together and their clothes look nice and they're matching and stuff and and like i don't <laughs> and it's fine i don't care but i definitely like especially when i finish a trail or a hike and then <laughs> i go into a store or something and i see a reflection of myself and for me it's the nose crustals like i do the farmer snot thing constantly when i'm hiking <laughs> and it looks like you know it just looks like you know you used to buy those magic crystals you could grow in the aquarium it looks like somebody's grown a whole colony of those around my nose <laughs> oh boy and i was like yeah Faye, you getting it he, like he's got the leaves coming out of his hair looks a mess i can get behind falling in the beer, you know i get it yeah. i mean there's so many times when i take a shower after a hike and i'm like wow there's like a dead spider just fell <laughs> off my leg or whatever like wow um, well we, we are we are thankfully unfashionable on the trail here yes. in New Mexico. yeah i mean it, not very many people wear the color coordinated latest fabrics right um, there's still a thrift store Clothing, mm -hmm. hiking community and i mean i have i have like you know technical fabrics if you will i'm doing air quotes for the listener but i i like i have one hiking shirt i have like my summer shirt and my cold weather shirt and like it's the same one i've been wearing for four years so it's all like faded and ratty and like haggard. you know yeah it's haggard that's exactly yeah. what it is but you know what it's seen a lot of miles so well, my, my main care. hiking shirt has extra cachet. 
I actually found it on a trail. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, That's it, was, pretty awesome. it was outside between on a trail between Frisco and Breckenridge in Colorado. Mm. And that wow. was at least 20 years ago. Wow. And I still I still wear it. I was wearing it today. So anyway, yeah, the the we do have one bar in Silver City that is sort of the gathering place for outdoor people. So so at least we have I mean every town has to have a place where if a stick falls out of your hair into your beer nobody that, cares. Yeah, well or they, they might observe it but they're going to they're going to poke fun at it. They're they're not going to mm-hmm. be appalled. Right. Um so <laughs> and anyway the the world is changing and it's catching up to southwest New Mexico. I don't know where's next. Yeah, and I remember I saw one time when Delo and Mags and Disco you guys did the Ring the Peak trail one of the 300 mm-hmm. times you did that trail. And Disco sent me a picture of Delo and Mags on day one. And they both <laughs> had the brown shirts and the brown pants and the bandana and yeah. their platypus with the brown water in it. And they both looked like they'd been on trail for like two months already because of the, you know. The people class. people have asked us, do you work here? I just started like four hours ago. Yeah, are you guys park rangers? Are you like national forest rangers? Why are you why are you guys wearing all brown? What's going on? Why are you both wearing all brown? Yeah. Do, do you need to see my permit? So so John, anyway. I gotta ask, since you uh since you wrote the book, have you seen the Misty Mountain? No, oh, yeah. I I keep my eyes peeled for it. Matter of fact, I just ran into the the ear piercer guy just yesterday. Oh no, kidding! Trip. So so I uh, I keep my eyes peeled for it. Okay. Um, and I I have never seen it, and I will never see it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not as, as I said in this manuscript. I'm the only person who's ever lived in New Mexico who's never seen a UFO. Mm-hmm. I've never had an apparition. I've never communed with the ancestors. I, I, I've led a literal existence and, uh, you know, maybe if I try dropping acid or something, maybe I'll see it, but I yeah. haven't, uh, I haven't seen the Misty Mountain. There's still time, right? Yeah. There, there's always still time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can still see the Misty yeah. Mountain. Yeah. You can still, there's, a, there's always time until there's not any more time. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> the next book, the next book could be a, just all about misty mountain misty mountain yeah, I yeah the got next that book far. is a, is going to be a complete change of direction so mm. yeah okay um, so there is a next book in the works there's always a next book always. man no matter how often i say i will never i will never do this again oh man all right we we have a, a good friend who just passed away a couple months short of his 102nd birthday mm. wow and they're they're the the biggest selling memoir of all time is uh called tuesdays with maury oh yeah by mitch album the biggest it's sold 40 million copies and the, the last oh yeah the last um the last few years of my friendship which was a 30 plus year friendship with this man i started recording our conversations and talking about longevity and a happy life and and the things you know all those the kinds of things you 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 could think about with someone whose time on this planet is obviously winding down and when you when you get to be 100 you don't have that much time left no matter what right right and so so my next project is to collate those conversations into a book and this one i swear is going to be short 
<laughs> so Tuesdays maybe 80,000 words. words. So <laughs> we'll see, but that's what I want to work on this winter. Awesome. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, before we bid you adieu, is there anything else you want to mention uh, in regards to a long tangent before we say goodbye? I, I would stress that the overriding themes are facing getting old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's, and you know, the, the literature of the outdoors is dominated by youth or mm-hmm. reflections of youth. And there's some reflections of youth in this book. And then, and the next overriding theme would be, as was referred to earlier, the bond between a man and his dog, especially taking place out in the woods. Or a and human. It is, I agree. It is a special, unique. Mm-hmm. I know people who have a bond like that with their horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. I've never. I spent a lot of time around horse people, but I'm not. I'm not a horse person. And I think they have that same kind of bond and relationship. Um, I don't think many people have it with cats because there aren't that many hiking cats. Mm. You know, the, the, the bond that I have with my with my dog, who, as I say in this book, uh, she passed away a couple summers ago. Oh. Um, but but that's an overriding theme. She was an important character in this book. I do not think the book would have been the same without her. No. Um, so anyway, that's that's about it. I think I've exhausted my desire to talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well john thanks so much for uh for coming on the trail show again yeah. tonight and yeah let, let's not let eight years pass before you're no, on again let's let's do it again in four years now and then yes <laughs> yeah all right I'll do that. okay thank you guys very much I mean, it's always yeah. fun to talk with you guys yeah and, and john real quick where where can people get this book and where can people find you online well <clears throat> i'm on facebook Okay. And uh, I'm revamping my website, so I don't have a website available. The book can be ordered at any lo- any local independent bookstore. And that's, of course, what I would advise people to do. And failing that, of course, it's for sale by the Evil Empire, too. So right. um, yep. they can go to Amazon, and it's getting good good reviews on Amazon. So the book seems to be doing well. Um, but uh, but go to your local bookstore and order it and 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 praise me while you're at it say this john fahey guy is the greatest thing in the world so maybe they order some extra books so anyway that's it's it's easily attainable it's members press of western new mexico university is is the publisher so it's 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 actually a real publisher publishing company that did it so anyway i I appreciate you guys having me on and you guys are great yeah you guys have a a great night thank you so much thank you so much thanks for joining us adios All right, folks, we're going to break. When we come back, we've got some trips to report on, maybe a mailbag item or two, and who knows, some hotline calls. This is M. John Fahey, and I never, ever listen to The Trail Show. All right, folks, The Trail Show is back, and we're going straight to the hotline. Triple O, do we have any calls this month? Well, we have an important message for POD. Greetings and salutations. This is (laughs) Philip McCracken of the AARP, and 
We've received this wonderful bit of a show from, let me check my notes, Felicia Hermosia's instant qualification. <laughs> the inability to jump in alpine lakes because they're cold. Instant qualification. However, this person took it a step farther and criticized Broman after the fact. On their on their on their TV show, their podcast, whatever you people call it, these drunk people. But we are proud to say that your information packet is in the mail, or you can speed up the process by going onto the website and click on the membership link. Now remember, put attention, fill up McCracken, and we can expedite this whole thing. And uh, we just want to congratulate you on your entrance into the AARP. And again, have a good day, and we wish you well. Wow. I appreciate then, that there's children in the background of that AARP office. Yeah, yeah, people holding back that accent. Nowadays. <laughs> right? Just holding on Yeah, that, that main accent was a little uh, suspicious. Uh, it's I familiar. feel like I've heard that voice before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, but I don't understand. I do get in the cold lakes. Yeah. But maybe in the last show I said I didn't because it was too cold. Because it was fall. Yeah, I think you skipped yeah, you one. Did. I did. So you're getting some going the last time. Okay. Well, what? We got a second call from someone who also would recognize that accent. Hey, Trail Show, Stuff Broad. You're talking about the AARP a couple of uh, shows ago. And Were we? I just wanted to let you know that you could join the AARP no matter what age you are. I saw oh. it on Instagram. So it's got to be true. You still mm. get the discounts. You just have to pay the membership fee. So okay, why delay? That 15% off of Denny's could be yours sometime <laughs> soon. Uh, but we're all getting old anyway. So, see you later. Bye. You know, I think that's a good trail tip from Tough Broad. If you're out hiking the AT, you're going by a lot of Denny's. Yeah. And if you got that membership, that 15% off, you could really rack up some some dollar dollar bills. By yeah, the we, we had a couple of hiker friends who used to do a top 10 segment on this show many moons mm -hmm. ago that would routinely carry a Denny's menu in their backpacks while on the Appalachian Trail. Just saying. And they would plan what their first meal in town was going to be while uh, their last night on on trail before going into Yeah, never been that much of a fan of Denny's myself, but hey, you know, whatever floats your boat. I found an Arby's hat in my in a hiker bin and wore it for part of the AT <laughs> so that everyone who saw me would get hungry, but I couldn't see it because it was on my head. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you already have a trail name by then? I did. So good thing. I did not get to be an Arby's or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Roast beef. Roast beef. Um, <laughs> also good thing you're a man. Anyway. Um any other <laughs> we did get somebody yeah. we'll do one more now maybe we'll pick okay. up the other ones later this is a uh, very important question mm. hello what's up trail show i'm gonna try and keep this brief and enunciate i wish some of the callers would enunciate a little more clearly and make it so you can actually understand their calls i'm yeah. not roll taker, see anybody that called three or four times Rita, roll taker, anyway see i just wanted to bring up a kind of touchy subject uh that would be the gift of beer. I'm sure uh, you guys at the trail show have run into this where you get beer that you really don't like or mm -hmm. you uh, find to be way out of date and skunky. 
and just kind of wanted to know how you would handle that situation. People give me beer all the time that is like expired by a year and under. What? What? How do you politely tell them not to get you that anymore? All right. Just curious. Have a good day. Okay. This is a great question. First of all, expired beer, like, why would you, ha- why would beer, no, never expire beer. It's like, <laughs> beer should never be in your possession long enough to become expired. And then, what a, what a faux pas to then give your expired beer to a friend. Like, come on, get out of here. And you, sir, who were the recipient of the expired beer, you, you throw that straight in the garbage, man. That's you need to keep a list, a yearly list of everyone who's giving you expired beer. And then when it's time for Christmas, you very kindly, you buy some eggnog, you let it curdle. Oh, and then you take it over to their house and you say, Hey, I, got a I just want to thank you for all that beer you've been giving me all year. I got you some eggnog. Now, I will say this. How... In Colorado, it's not uncommon. You go to a party. You've been invited to a party. You show up. You bring some beverages. I will say that, like, lots of beer finds its way in and out of our refrigerator. And there's certain genres of beer that I don't particularly seek out. And sometimes those beers find their mm-hmm. way in our fridge. And sometimes those beers end up going with me. To the, to next the next party, party in which I leave them in that person's refrigerator, but I could tell you they are not expired. I would never no. have expired beer. And there's a lot of like, I don't care for stouts and porters. I just don't, but a lot of people do. So whenever stouts and porters come into my possession, they immediately go into someone else's possession. I don't think that's but how bad. do you handle the expired beers? The bottom of the question. And I think, oh, you pour them out. You pour it How out. How bad is it? You cycle you the cans, pour them out. Yeah, maybe you could cook with it. But yeah, as they like to say, as my friend though. Scooby, as like my friend Scooby likes to say, life is too short to drink bad beer. Exactly. So pour right. it out. With that, let's get into our trail of the month, POD. Yes, we have a very special guest. This is a an evening of of treats for our trick or treat themed show. Um, we are so excited to have Melissa Wright with us this evening. And Melissa Wright is also the inventor behind uh, the organization Women Who Explore. So uh, Melissa is going to be joining us today to talk about her recent trek up Kilimanjaro, as well as the organi- organization of Women Who Explore. So Melissa, thank you so much for being with us here tonight on The Trail Show. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. I do, can I make a comment really quick about the expired beer? Please. Of course. Please. Okay. I kind of feel like if you're a person that keeps getting expired beer, that there's, that that's maybe on purpose. Mm. And <laughs> that, that maybe, maybe there's, that's a trend for a reason. Cause I don't know that I've ever been given expired beer before. Yeah. I don't think I have POD. <laughs> And this sounded like a, I, like a reoccurring only, thing. It, like a tr- it was a trend. Yeah. It was not a one-off, like an accident. Like you said, I know I have beer the same way in my fridge that sits there until I go to another party and I'm like, well, they might like it. Yep. Like the Mike's Hard Lemonade that's been sitting in my fridge for forever. Twisted tea. But, uh, but I, I maybe wouldn't have checked the expiry date, but yeah, I feel like if it's a constant trend hmm yeah uh, well and the hard liquor drinks i think those can go a lot longer 
than like, uh, like fermented the, the fermented yeah. beer and stuff. But yeah. All right, yeah. Melissa, talk to us about um let's first talk about Kilimanjaro. Was that part of the women who explore? Was that a, a part of that series? Did you take some do a guided yes. trip? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it was a guided trip. Um, we hired a local guide company um, in uh, Moshi in Tanzania, and uh, they took us up to the summit of Kilimanjaro. And to date, it's probably my favorite outdoor experience wow. that I've had. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So tell us. Pretty- yeah, tell us about like what what are the logistics of going up Kilimanjaro? I don't know. There's different routes to go up. I, I don't care about that. I just want to know about what like what you guys did. Uh, so yeah, so we did the Machame route. There's lots of different routes. Um, we chose this one specifically because it was a little bit longer. It's seven days, and oh. so we have that time to acclimate. Um, mm-hmm. Thirty eight miles, and mm-hmm. the summit is nineteen thousand three hundred and forty one feet. Um, wow. yeah, so there were seven of us, uh, that went on this trek and, um, a total of about 30 crew to get us to summit. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So I didn't quite know before, like, I, I've always heard a lot of great things about somebody in Kilimanjaro, the trek, how special it is, all those different things. But I didn't really understand like the full power of that until you actually get there. And the experience of Kilimanjaro isn't the summit. The experience is the entire trek and the people that get you there. And it is a very emotional experience. It's a very like communal experience. It's all about community and the people that take you up there, which just makes it that much more incredible. And am I correct in that you have to have a guide to to summit Kilimanjaro? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so for that area in particular, I think one of the reasons why I think you're, you'd be very hard pressed to find a guide company that would do um, maybe like, I guess, a lightweight, lightweight backpacking trip um, where you wouldn't have like a full cruise service. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it's, that's the economy that's there. That's a lot of the yeah, jobs that of are course. offered in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're required to have a guide service and m- most guide services offer like the full experience where you have Mm -hmm. a chef that goes with you. There's um, you have like your own porters that help you carry all of the things. And then they carry all like none of the gear is lightweight. It's all just like hefty camp Mm -hmm. gear, um, full size, like full size camp chairs, not backpacking chairs. There's nothing dehydrated. It's like, you know, all the fruit, all the, everything goes up the mountain and um and is prepped along the way and yeah it's it's pretty incredible and wow. um I, I i'm sure most people know kilimanjaro is the high point on the african continent and is it in tanzania kenya where where is the summit uh it's in it's in tanzania and okay. it is one of the seven the one of the seven summits seven summits wow. what's yeah. the total elevation gain from where you start to you start at about 5,500 feet. Wow. And then, yeah. So it is like, um, it's full, it's full up. Like, the, yeah. so there's the same that as you start, they say pole pole, which means slowly, slowly. Mm-hmm. And you start out at 5,500 feet at a snail's pace and they don't allow you to go faster. Okay. And it's really trying for a lot of people because you, at 5,500 feet, like I live, a little above sea level. Um, so 5,500 feet, like I might feel, 
a little bit, but I can definitely hike faster than we were going. But it's about um, acclimating. So they're starting you very early on with the acclimating process. Um, they do not want you to wear out because that first mm-hmm. day, at least on our route, is like 4,000 feet of elevation gain. Okay. Um, and then also, I think they're training you to accept the pace because there's a lot of, there's a little bit of that a lot. There's a little bit of pushback from people. They're like, oh, it's so hard to go like this slow. It's really tricky. Like you yeah. have your walking pace, right? That you're used to. Right. And they're like, no, you have to go this pace. So I think it takes that long. And then when you start like the actual summit, when you're getting over like 15,000 feet, you're like, oh, this is, this is why right. we have this pace is because granny gear. The pace. Yeah. Granny yeah. gear. Yep. It's the, that's the pace I want to go. So, um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a pretty steep, but the whole thing is up and then the down, I think there's one section that is like a moderate down, you know, where it's like this nice little slope and it feels real good. And then you just drop again. Cause like on summit day, you summit, you go 3000 thousand feet, 3.2,000, 3,200 feet to summit from your camp. And then from that point, you drop 9,000 feet and Whoa. seven miles. Yeah. So, so it's hard oh, wow. on the so, hips and knees. So the <laughs> night before you summit, you're camping at 16,000 feet-ish. Yeah, right. it's almost it's almost 16,000. It's like 15-something. Yeah. And you wake up at 11 p.m. and you start summiting at midnight. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty incredible, like waking that you're woken up at 11 PM and they start the whole process. You're given like a little snack, you start getting dressed and then you just see this long line of headlamps out before Uh you. Yeah. And we had a, um, a full moon summit, which is also really cool. So yeah. That's pretty. Um, So how many days is it? Cause it sounds like on the way back down, you're coming down significantly faster than you went up so how many days up and then how many days down so it's five basically five and a half five and a half days up because you summit basically it's day six but day six starts at midnight so when they get you up and then day six seven then you're out you're done so it's like yeah that summit day is the longest day yeah it's a very long exhausting day so wow. how about like getting in and out to the start point? Like where do you fly into? What's the closest airport? And then how do you get from the airport to where you're actually starting the track? Uh, so the airport's about 45 minutes away from Moshi and it's Kilimanjaro International Airport. Oh, And it's, oh. A, it's a tiny, tiny little airport. And so it's like two airplanes at a time and they're big. I flew Ethiopian Airlines. And so it's just like this big 777 on the tarmac. And then you get off the plane, you walk outside, and it's just a very tiny little airport that you walk into that's there essentially for Kilimanjaro and for safaris. Um, And then the driver was waiting there for us. And we drive to Moshi, um, which is, yeah, kind of the, you know, the starting point. Um, Yeah. And then you start at the Machame Gate. So that's like another 40 minutes, I believe, from Moshi. So whenever you start, you drive from Moshi to the Machame Gate. I have a question about the porters. um, And thank you for saying porters instead of Sherpas. Um, I was curious about if they, so you guys are going up and over, right? Uh, 
or it's you go kind of up and you, oh, you okay. go up over and then you do like a little summit hook and then back down okay that i was curious if the porters were also having to go all the way up to the top and so no. they're not okay that's nice yeah they go as <laughs> they go as far as the last base or the base camp before summit mm-hmm. night so that's barafu um summit camp so they'll stay there and they're super sweet when you're coming down there's a point where there's like i think it's called like barafu camp two or something which is like slightly higher and there was a group of them waiting uh with mango juice and some snacks and which is just such uh, a delight whenever you're like coming down that scree Mm -hmm. and and um like lava silt just the volcanic yes. silt. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just you're the sun is on you and it's you just just exhausted. And they're like, here's a little punch of sugar. It was um, yeah. really nice. Uh but no, the porters are incredible. And if I could just say, like for people that are looking to book um a Kilimanjaro trip, um, do your research on the company. There are some companies that don't treat their porters. Um, very nice. Mm-hmm. And we saw a witness of that on the trail. So it's really hard to see some of those porters summoning with the, so there's the, um, I forget what it stands for, but it's KPAP. It's like Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro porters, something it's association. Um, mm-hmm. that is like helps regulate, um, you know, the, the work that they do. And so they can't carry more than 40 pounds. Um, they have to have like sturdy, uh, hiking shoes um they're meant to get three meals a day fair pay you know there's like a list of right, um, right. you know all the things that they should get yeah. um but it's very obvious that some some companies don't necessarily abide by those rules um so just yeah highly recommend being very careful whenever you book those the cheapest is not always the best yeah right of course yeah wow. what were you mentioned the sun beating down what were the temperature swings on this this seven day journey? Like hottest temp to coldest temp. What are we talking? Hottest temp was at the start and at the end. Uh, there was probably like high seventies, low eighties, but jungle, so very humid. Super humid. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're you're starting out and there's like monkeys in the trees and <laughs> oh. you know swinging around and you hear the birds. Like it's very it's very yeah Prop- the jungle. Um, and then you go up to when we left, I believe our tents at midnight. Um, I think it was about uh, nine degrees. What? And nine Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so, it, but there's no breeze. So I, this was probably my biggest paranoia for the whole, well, other than the coming down, I was very worried about descending 9,000 feet in one go. Yeah. Um, but also, the this the just the weather swings that's a lot to kind of to handle yeah. and um when we went to bed or when tried to go to sleep um that evening um it was breezy and i was so worried i was like we're gonna get up but it's gonna be windy and wind is my nemesis if there's wind like Amen. i will go out and yeah. hail i will go yeah. out in rain and snow i will do all the things but the wind kicks up i'm like i'm out I don't need to do that activity anymore. Anything that revolves around the wind, like done. Um, And we woke up and it was super calm. And so uh, 
I layered up as much as our guide told us, which is four layers on bottom, four layers on top. I actually put on a fifth layer on wow. top because I was scared. And yeah. I'm in I'm in Arizona, so I was coming from like sure. 105 degrees still yeah. during the day. Uh, my <laughs> nights are like still 90 degrees, and so uh, honestly, after like that first push, I was delayering. I think I wore a base layer and then my big heavy jacket. And um, then I kept all four layers on top because that was just too awkward to get off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then I had like a balaclava, my ski gloves, um, a beanie, um, and I had hot hands in my pockets. Um, mm. And and that was fine until we got to the summit. And once you kind of like crest over to the Stella Point, that's when you do feel the wind. You are now at like you know, the top of Kilimanjaro. And so that wind does kick up. And so I had to put on a couple more layers for that. So I don't know what it was at the summit. It was just, it was really cold. Did you or any of your group take Diamox or anything else to help with altitude? Mm. Yep, we all did. Okay. Um, and it helped? Yep. I'm assuming. So the way, I mean, I've never really struggled with elevation, but I've only ever been as high as like a 14er. Um, yeah. so obviously when you're doing a 14 er you huff and puff and it's harder and you go slower and yeah. you know, that's mm -hmm. just the way it is. I didn't feel that the first time we got to 15,000 was you go up the lava tower and then you drop back down to 13,000 feet. And again, we were going slow, but I felt really great. Mm -hmm. And the, the hike up until summit, I do remember thinking like, is this, is everybody's like, not everybody. A lot of people say this is the hardest hike that they've ever done. And I remember being a little bit cocky and being like, really? Like, it hasn't yeah. been really hard so far. Like, it's it's been fine. Like, if you're in decent hiking shape, this is very doable. And so summit, midnight, we're going up. And I'm still feeling that way. And it's slow. And you can certainly feel it. And I'm still wondering at this point, like, okay, is this ever going to be the hardest thing, mm -hmm. you know, or am I just a lucky person that this is fine? I, I am not in like perfect shape by any means, but I mean, I was just lucky. Um, our guide had talked about, there's like this wall that people hit diamox mm -hmm. or no diamox. Okay. You're going to hit an elevation that it's going to hit you. Um, and I think it was probably like 17 and a half, 18,000 feet. And the sun had still not risen. We'd been hiking for five and a half hours and it's just a slog. You are just, it's only 3.2 miles and we'd already been hiking, you know, five and a half hours. Wow. So it, it takes usually, I think the average is like six, six and a half hours um, to summit. Mm. And so um, I hit the wall and all of a sudden, like it was really hard to breathe. My everything that was frozen, um, mm. It was, I just could have laid down. I just remember thinking like, I don't have to summit. I don't have to do this. I could take a nap. I could just go to nap right here in the dirt. Dirt's soft. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And um, it was at that very moment, like I feel the guides must know where this invisible yeah, wall is. Because totally. um, they all started singing. All Because there's one guide per person. So you have a one-on-one -on -one for that day. Oh, and wow. so seven of us and seven guides and our lead guide started singing and then they all started singing and you can hear your name sprinkled in throughout the oh. songs Whoa. and so you know they're like singing to you and about you and they're coming up beside you and encouraging you and i just remember getting like really emotional and teared up and just thinking oh my gosh like this is why 
this is why I'm doing this summit. I am not a peak bagger. Yeah. But the 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 community aspect is what I was really interested in about this particular summit. And it really was a beautiful experience. And so they sang about like six or seven songs. And by the time they were done, the sun was rising. And then I looked up and there was like a Stella Point sign. And from that point, it's less than a mile. It's like, I mean, I think it's maybe a half a mile, 800 feet elevation gain. And you could see the the summit sign, you know, in the distance and thinking like, oh gosh, like I'm, I'm going to make it like at this point I can totally yeah. do this It's well within my means to be able to like dig deep. Mm, um, right. And yeah, but it really is the guides and all of the other people that help you get up that mountain. But, um, but uh, yeah, that I can't, I can't imagine some people do it without the dye box. Um, it has some weird side effects, uh, but well worth the side effects um, as opposed to the side effects of, you know, high altitude sickness. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And congratulations. So, that's yeah, a... that's amazing. And yeah. so I do want to make sure we have some time to talk about, I know this was part of your Women Who Explore um, series. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to just tell us a little bit about that. Tell our listeners about what is Women Who Explore? How can people get involved? Where can they get information? All that stuff. Yeah. So, um, women who explore. So first off, um, Lindsay is our CEO. Um, okay. And so she's the, I know you, that's how you introduced me, but that's totally fine. Uh, she's the CEO. <laughs> We're all kind of like, we have our hands in each other's pots because, you know, we're doing all of the things. Um, right. I kind of handle all of the social media marketing brand relationships. Um, I build some of the trips. I go, I host a lot of the trips as well. So there's a lot of travel involved. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm one of the co-owners of the company and, uh, it's basically an organization, uh, that empowers women to get outside. And so we are, I kind of like to say we're in two parts. One part is community where it's, um, we have Facebook groups all over, mostly North America. And between all those local Facebook groups, there's about 200,000 women between all of those groups. Um, our ambassadors host free events. Um, they do anything from book clubs to hiking to beginning backpacking to um, macrame classes, uh, knitting classes, uh, foodie meetups. Basically, like whatever they're into is what they're going mm -hmm. to host. Um, here in Arizona, we had a really great one. They did a navigation class uh, with the, one of our ambassadors. And so she had him at the park doing scavenger hunts with navigation. Um, so that's the one side of it. And so we have like a very robust, sorry, there's some really loud cars going past. Um, some really, uh, really robust, um, ambassador group. I think we have about 200 right now. Um, wow. and then, and then the other side of it is our adventure um, getaways and we host those all over the world. Um, there's, uh, you know, as owners kind of, we lead some of the trips as well, especially if they're on the newer side. And then we have about 20 ambassadors that are trained to also, um, host these trips. And so they go through a pretty robust training process with us. And, um, they're the boots on the ground on these trips. And we do anything from, we just did one in Vermont where it's, fall foliage leaf peeping um yeah ben and jerry's going to cideries oh, yeah. uh, i think there was zip lining so it's very 
you know, very entry level. And then, then there's Kilimanjaro. And uh, we did the Tour de Mont Blanc. We've done the Dolomites. Wow. We have um, we have a group actually right now in Perea Canyon, uh, Perea Canyon Buckskin oh, Gulch. Yeah, cool. Um, nice. Doing a backpacking trip. So we've got the whole the whole gamut. So um, we like to call ourselves the slippery slope into the outdoors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, when women come to us, sometimes they're nervous about doing something solo. And this can still very much feel like you're going on a solo trip. There's women with you, but you might not, you don't know any of the people that you're going with. So it kind of gets them started where we have women that have like the, I led the last, um, I was the host for the last Korea Canyon trip. And one of the ladies had never even camped before. She just went all in. She was like, just going straight to backpacking. We're just going to be like waist deep in water and mud. And she just crushed the entire trip. She did amazing. And the following month, she was trying out backpacking by herself. She took her dog and did her mm-hmm. first little backpacking trip solo. And now she's uh, she just got back from one of our Peru. Um, she did the Salcante trek with us and mm-hmm. already looking for like next adventures. So got her started and now she's just taken off and doing great things. We love seeing that. I think one, you know, one of the main things that I love about this idea is that you know, there's lots of companies that offer opportunities to go out and learn skills in the backcountry. There's, you can find that all over the place for sure. And a lot of quality stuff. And I think um, most women will tell you that they've had experiences in life and particularly in the outdoors where they were made to feel small or uncomfortable because of the presence of men. Um, and comments that were made and i think i think for for all women it's it's kind of refreshing to have a space where you know you know someone's not going to be exerting some overt misogyny on you or even subtle you know um yeah i think that that's nice and i also really appreciate um creating a space for women as an entry point because our society is still programmed to expect men to be able to enter the outdoors solo if they want and learn those skills on their own if they want. Um, and I think for women, that's a more difficult entry point um, just because of expectations and access and also the the judgment that comes with making a mistake as a woman in the outdoors, um, mm-hmm. you know, the assumptions that are made about that. So I really appreciate this, you know, this op this opportunity for for women to go and make mistakes together and learn from that which is what you have to do when it comes to the outdoors um i'd also i also wanted to mention that i actually heard about women who explores and melissa from glenn van pesky um i think he was traveling in his van and you guys were camped next to each other and he was like Uh, hey you gotta i got i met this incredible person you gotta get in touch with her we actually, um, I bumped into him when I was on the Priya Canyon Buckskin Gold. Oh, that's, that's where it was. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was so, he was like, like, there was just, you know, a bunch of women showed up and it was just him with his group. And um, I to, to, <laughs> I had never actually heard of Gossamer Gear, um, which now he's actually taught a class for us. So we've got some giveaways. Oh, that's great. And, Oh. Uh, yeah, he's super sweet. Love his gear. But one of our the attendees was a fangirl, and she was just geeking out uh, over his tent. Oh, cool. And she was like, "Melissa, you have to come meet this Glenn." And so I came down, and we started chatting. And he's just 
so nice. Yeah, he is sure. possibly one of the nicest human beings I've met. And we've chatted. And afterwards, I just reached out. And I was like, I don't know where we really like fit. Because we're not the ultra light backpackers. You know, we, we do consider ourselves, again, like the, the entry level, which usually mm. doesn't mean ultralight at that point. Um, but there's there's definitely a space for that. The class that he taught was just basically how to go a yeah. little bit lighter, like ways sure. that you can catch him for the reasons why you should do that. Um, but yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, very generous human being. Um, yes. But anyway, yeah, I love that there's a progression, there's options of skills and then progressions of trips that can become more and more expert. And um, there's just something about you know, knowing that you are safe in your circle to make mistakes and be free from certain types of judgment when that happens. So I just think that that's really awesome that you guys are providing that space. Well, and and that's really how, how it started, right? So, I mean, I know speaking for myself, I, I wasn't an outdoorsy person, um, growing up. Um, I didn't really discover the like hiking really, um, until it was like late twenties and wow. a friend of mine had taken uh, me on this hiking trip in the sawtooths and it was mm, my first, uh, my first time. And I went oh. with my little co- cotton socks and whatever $30 shoes I had from big five or something. And, uh, a sling backpack, uh, like a Nike sling or something. It was just, it was, ended up being like 12 miles. Um, we hiked, through we waded through like rapids there was snow there was all these of course i came back with all of blisters like mm-hmm. my, i just had like two big blisters on each foot it was like the whole foot was just a blister and because she was just like just walk through the water in your shoes with your cotton socks on and then just keep walking in those but i could have gone either way it could have gone right uh you know either this was the most horrible experience ever or in my case it was very exciting. And while I was down for a while, we couldn't do any more hiking that week. Um, it was the most epic adventure I'd been on. And that kind of set me on a course to test new things. And I was that person that told myself that I didn't need anybody else. And that's just because I didn't know there was another community. So I convinced myself that like, no, I'm a solo type person. Um, I don't need, I don't need anybody else to do this. Cause I didn't have any friends at that point that would go with me or mm-hmm. were interested. Cause this was a new path. And then, um, then that's kind of how women who explore was born because you realize community is actually really nice and mm-hmm. having, being surrounded by women to make those mistakes and not feel judgment and just kind of be embraced no matter what. Um, and empowered women in the outdoors are empowered women in daily life, just like in everything. So whenever, you know, now I can climb thousand foot walls, I go climbing and you know what? Taxes don't seem quite so scary anymore. It's like, yeah, you know, there's, there's there's more scary things in life. And actually there's not scary. Taxes are the scariest, (laughs) but um, (laughs) but it, it empowers you in everything else. And so we really want women to have that um just everywhere it's just such a great feeling it's that can-do attitude you know when you've been in a difficult situation and you've survived you know it builds that ability to say like all right this sucks right now but i know i can get through it so and you see it click with women too like that moment when it clicked and that's why i like leading the the hard trips i love leading 
the Kilimanjaro trips, the the backpacking, the trekking, because you do see yeah. that moment kick in where they realize they can do more than they thought they could. They're capable totally. of more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is fantastic. I'm excited to check that out. What What is the website? It's just womenwhoexplore.com? Womenwhoexplore.com. And okay. you'll see all of our trips um, up there. We're launching a bunch over the next week. Um, and so you can also just search Google, you know, Women Who Explore, our Instagram, all of the groups. And our, on our website, if you click on community, that will take you to where all of our groups are. Um, they are private. So um, ambassadors are the ones that screen everybody to come in. Yeah. Because we do have sneaky, sneaky guys that try to get into our groups. What? Um, of course. Really? I oh, know. No. I know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, definitely check us out. We'd love to see more women on our adventures. Awesome. Awesome. Well, do you guys have any other, uh, do you guys have any questions? No, I was just going to say, um, Melissa, thanks for, for joining us tonight. And is there yeah. anything else about Kilimanjaro or women who explore that we haven't asked you that you want to get out there? Ooh, uh, no, I don't think so. I think just like, I want to reiterate how important it is for Kilimanjaro just to find the right company. Um, obviously yeah. we'll be launching it again. Um, we'll be doing it in 2024, September, October. Um, okay. so we're working with our same guide company. Um, but, uh, obviously you don't have to go through us, but just do the research. It's really sad, whatever you see. And, and you see that people maybe didn't realize whenever they arrived, just Mm. what what it looks like right um so highly recommend that and then for us um we do have like again the paid adventures but that's not a barrier join a local group and there's so much free stuff that we offer as well so all the free hikes and all, all those adventures yeah. are just open to all the women in the community that's amazing well, yep. Melissa, thank you so much for chatting with us tonight, both about yeah, Kilimanjaro and about women who explore. Excited to uh, check that out. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me and for sending me this really cool headset uh, uh, and this call. So <laughs> matching yeah. you guys here. So, um, so yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Good yep, one. you too. Okay, bye. Okay, yep. bye. All right, we should do... A couple of trip reports. None of ours will be as grand as Kilimanjaro, but certainly, sadly, sadly, certainly, surely we've been somewhere. I know Dilo has been to a sixth grade band concert, but maybe, maybe he's been somewhere else this month. I don't know. Dilo. Yeah. Trip reports. What do you got? I hiked a mountain. Dila, what do you think Wait, is trying it? to kill you more? A sixth grade band concert or the Gila You know, wilderness? The, the sixth grade uh, band concert was not that bad. And I, I tend to think that the Gila wilderness is trying to kill you. But I hiked uh, I hiked a mountain that's well was known it, in these Was parts. it Misty Mountain? No, it was called Mount Escutney. Escutney? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mount, that sounds Mount very Manor. No, it's, it's here in Vermont. It's uh, just on the Vermont side of the Connecticut River. And it is what's known as a Monadnock, mm. which is a Monadnock is just a giant piece of rock that is much stronger and less erosionable than the surrounding rocks. So, erosionable. Yeah, I don't really know what the problem is. It Mount Monadnock, an actual mountain. Also? There is a Mount Monadnock. It is also a Monadnock, 
Mount Escutney is a Monadnock. There are many Monadnocks. Monadnocks are basically just granite extrusions that have withstood the test of time and now stand as pronounced mountains on their own, kind of very distinguishable from other nearby hills and mountain ranges. Okay. So I hiked Mount Escutney. It was a wonderful day. There were still bugs. It was mid-October. Were you solo? I was solo. Uh, It was before hunting. It was just on the verge of hunting season, so I wasn't wasn't in my blaze orange. And uh, it was a nice hike. At the top, there's a fire tower. It was a 2,000-foot vertical gain, uh, just about six miles round trip. All trail. Yep. So you did 2,000 feet of gain in three miles. That's a little stout. Yeah. 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 There's there's lots of little stout mountains here. Yeah. Did you go up the fire tower? I did go up the fire tower. It was windy. Had some views. I was looking for some foliage. The foliage is very disappointing in the Mm. Northeast this year. What? It's very subdued. It's very subdued. Too much rain over the summer. Yeah. Rain will do that. Yeah. And then we had like 95 a week of 95 degree temperatures right at the very beginning of september um maybe like the second week of september after labor day and that that also did not help the um, foliage production this year foliage was very subdued brown yellow barely D-Lo, no no reds yes in general how are you adjusting to life in vermont there are things i like about vermont and there are things that i don't like about the northeast but i think the biggest my biggest pet peeve is just the just the cloudiness really i mean it's just like i can't tell you the last time i had like a cloud-free sunny day i haven't seen one of those in a month yeah we had we had plenty of those we had plenty of like michigan oh yeah 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 it's cloudy um today was today was close to 70 degrees it's very warm but and then when I was uh, I, I went out on my bike around noon, and it was beautiful. Sun was shining, leaves were, in you know, in full fall foliage form. Yeah, in full fall foliage form, and it was super pleasant. And it lasted all of like forty five minutes. By the time by the time I was leaving the gym, it was just like gray and cloudy again. So that's that's my that's what I miss about the american west because mm, when i saw when i saw john fahey's house there i was like the it, sun is sunny shining. man the sun is shining yeah. there, you know that's but silver city though man things, there's some things i also don't miss about the sun yeah. i also it's also kind of nice to have some clouds and not just be like fried by the sun all the <laughs> mm-hmm. time yes <laughs> so, so it's you know the grass is always greener on the other side yeah that's the truth pod what yeah. about you i know you've You've gone up Chavano for the eighth time this year and <laughs> bagged some Alpine lakes for the 78th time this year. What do you got? Yeah, I'm not really going to talk about those very much. Um, I did a trip at the end of September. I went up to the Zirkles up in northern Colorado. The Zirkles. And I had a great time. I, Were um, you solo? I was solo. I Were was. you backpacking? I was backpacking. I did a two-day trip. I hiked in. Um, of course, I don't remember the names of anything. Um, I went into one part of the... Oh, it's near where you do the Zirkle Circle. Everybody was talking about that. It's the circle that you do with these lakes. Um, you don't go around Mount Zirkle, though. That was very confusing to me. It's called the Zirkle Circle, but it doesn't go around. 
anyway, I hiked into this trailhead and I went up um, Little Agnes Mountain, and then um, I went over and checked over, checked out. I wanted to check out this other ridge that I could see uh, from Agnes Mountain. It turned out to be um, I, I didn't have the skills or confidence to be going going up on that rocky ridge by myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I got myself into a situation where I had to pick my way around pretty high up on some pretty steep terrain. And I almost bailed at one point. And then I started going straight down. And I was like, nope, this actually seems more dangerous than going forward. And if I'm going to bail, I'm going to have to go backwards and not straight down because that's way too dangerous. Um, but I ended up making my way around it, which was awesome. And then I went up Big Agnes and then um, I dropped down into the Gilpin Lake Basin, basically, and camped just below Gilpin Lake. And the next day I got up and did Circle. And then I um, hiked out via Gold Creek Lake or something, I don't know, some, some sort of lake. Um, yeah, it was it was really nice. I hadn't been up to the Circles in a long time. It's so beautiful up there. Um, the fall colors were starting to go off. The bushes were all red. You know, the ground cover was all red. I didn't see anyone until I got on trail over by, um, Gilpin Lake. So that was kind of nice. I felt, you know, felt like I was out there by myself. Um, and then I knew I had to camp below Gilpin Lake because there's no camping at the lake. And I got into that valley and found the trail and I was like, okay, I'll camp now. I know where the trail is. And there's some trail junctions right there. And right at the junction, there was a tent like 10 feet away and it was a giant camping area. Um, tons of camping area, like lots of little alcoves and stuff. So I walked past that tent farther past the trail to go into the trees and like a little more past the trail and all the vegetation was dying and dead. So it was all crunchy And as I walked by, I thought I saw someone from the tent, like, look through the mesh. Because they probably were like, I hear someone or something. A mesh looker. Is it a Yeah. And and so I was like, hey, I'm a human. I'm just looking for a campsite. And I just kept walking. Did they respond? Did you say, I'm a human? I did. You did? Okay. Yeah, because I thought, maybe they thought it was a bear or something. A talking bear. Hi, I'm a bear. (laughs) I'm a talking bear, man. (laughs) Oh <laughs> yeah true um yeah, imagine if i could have like, just said hi and said that like hi i'm a bear, I'm a bear. <laughs> don't worry i'm just really hungry if you got um, any extra food you can leave it out for me <laughs> yep so anyway uh i went past them a ways into some trees and found some good camping and i was just putting the last stick in like justing getting that taut pitch and I hear from the tent uh, some um, sounds of pleasure you might might say as if a and conjugal visit were happening in the tent I'll say is this girl was having a 10 out of 10 orgasm in the oh tent. whoa and I was whoa. like good for good for you and also I was like Ugh, gross uh, like camping but anyway backpacking dirty ew anyway um so that was kind of funny and this is right off the heels of the week prior the weekend prior to that i had been in california visiting disco and we went to this kind of gross beach and we're hanging out because that's 
we don't have good beaches or gross beaches here in Colorado. So we went and there was like a boardwalk area, you know, and there's bathrooms. And I went up to go to the bathroom and I go in there and there's a sign attached to the wall in the stall that said, please do not flush soiled clothing down the toilet. Please put it in the trash. And I was just like, what? And as I finished reading the sign, I realized that there's two people just having crazy monkey sex two stalls over from me. So, yeah, two weekends in a row, you know, I I don't know if it's me, you know, my aura and bringing the magic, but uh, yeah. I think it speaks more to the um, unhoused situation here. Yeah, that's that was the case in California. That was not the case in the circles, though. How do you know? I mean, sometimes you got to hike in the circles when you don't live anywhere, you know? I don't think the unhoused are going to that remote. No, it's true. They're not. They're definitely not. But they are going to uh, Ventura Beach. Yes. On the West Coast. Ventura Beach. Yeah, I can remember that. But anyway, it was a fantastic trip. It was really beautiful. I got some off-trail fun, scrambly stuff and, you know, got to uh, get up high. It was great. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, Triple O, I don't want to steal your thunder, but since we've already mentioned California, I want to do my trip report real quick. So I just spent spent eight weeks in Southern California, and PUD is going to shut me down if I say too much. And frankly, we don't have enough time here. I'd need at least an hour to kind of like unwind everything that, I observed and witnessed in Southern California over eight weeks. Um, I will say this. We have a lot of trail show listeners in California and in Southern California in particular, and I have a new appreciation for all of you because it is not easy in that place. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, as far as trip reports go, I want to talk about my time in the Cespe Wilderness and Los Padres National Forest, but I do want to give a quick homage to Mojave National Preserve, which I didn't really know anything about, even though it's 1.5 million acres. It's in southeastern California. It's the largest national preserve in the NPS system. It's like the third largest acreage-wise NPS unit. I got to spend a couple days in there doing inventory work, and it's not well traveled the roads are a little bumpy we'll say um it's really cool go 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 check it out sometime the reason i want to talk about the Cespe wilderness in los Padres national forest is because i had bear encounters in that area mm. that i've had a lot of bear encounters on trail like all black bears never had a grizzly bear encounter which is fine well we did have a grizzly bear yeah. encounter over this the summer. summer but just forget that for a minute I, be, I bet i've had like no joke over i mean i've been long distance hiking since you know for 24 years give or take and i probably had at least 20 bear encounters not exaggerating but my 24 hours in the cespe takes the cake so i had to hike 11 miles into the cespe to get to an area where i was going to do some forest inventory work so I hike in, you start out in that California oak forest, then you eventually gain enough elevation where you're into the uh, Jeffrey Pine slash Pondo forest. And I'm seeing bear scat 
everywhere. This is September. And there's like every bush that produces berries has berries. And they're like full on. And as a result, there is just bear caca with undigested berries everywhere. Which, you know, this makes sense. Like the bears are having a feeding frenzy. And so I hike in and there was one tra- one car at the parking lot at the trailhead. I'm not expecting to see anybody. The trail's overgrown as all get out. I get 10 and a half miles back and I see a tent. I'm like, all right. I don't see anybody in the tent, but I see a tent. And then I go back another half mile to gain access to the area where I need to do my tree inventory work. And there is a large mama bear with two cubs in the ravine that I need to cross through to then get to the area where I'm going to do my work. And it snorted at me. So it's showing aggressive behavior. And I thought, you know what, man? You should probably back up and not proceed forwards. That's what I did. I backed up, went back to the the spot where I saw the tent. Where, oddly enough, I was kind of thinking I was going to camp. So I was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm just going to camp tonight. Ended up meeting a really cool dude. Um, who had an extra mountain house meal, which he, and an extra Coors Light, oddly enough. Oh, nice. Southern California. Not expired, I hope. Uh-huh. Not ex- well, no, probably not. It was it was a nice warm Coors Light. It was delicious, given the circumstance. The next morning, I woke up, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go back, and I got to do this inventory plot, and then I can get out of here. So I crossed the ravine. There's no bear. I'm like, boom, I'm golden, man. And so I crossed the ravine and then I have to hike up a minor drainage, like three tenths of a mile to actually get to the spot where I need to get to. And I hike up that minor drainage, two tenths of a mile. I'm like, I can almost see where I need to get. And there's a mama bear and two cubs in the minor drainage. And she snorts at me. She's like, I recognize you. Yep. <laughs> what are you so, doing back here? So again? now I I make the decision like this ain't happening because I can't go forward. I have to go through this minor drainage to get to my plot. There's a bear with two cubs. That's a very bad situation as far as bear encounters go when you have yeah. mother bear mm-hmm. with two children or one child. It doesn't matter. So I turned around and I walked 11 miles back to my car and I did not do my inventory work and that was that was it. And I saw a boatload. But here's the other thing I'll mention. So the tent at the campsite, there was a, a guy hunting. He was on a wildfire crew and um, he was actually uh, bow hunting deer. He had a, a tag for deer and he was like, man. I, he's like, I haven't seen any deer. He had like this little scope on a tripod that he was using. And um, he's like, but you know what? He's like 50 feet above our campsite. He's like, look at this video. He he shot a video through this scope on his phone. I don't know how he did it. It all connected. But yeah, there was like two bears walking right above where our tents were. And then I got home and like three days later, he texted me a different video from the day after where like there were two cubs walking right by the tree he was up in looking at deer. So like this whole place was full of bear, not full of any oh bear, any 
nails. I I will never go back to the Cespe wilderness. So all those trail show listeners out there, that if that's your home zone, God bless you. You can have it. There's there's so many damn bears in there. Like, no, I'm I'm done. Done with that place. That's my trip report. <laughs> a lot of bears. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a lot of bears. Yeah, man. I did not I did not encounter a bear. I did go car camping (laughs) with some friends, which was a new experience for me. I've not really car camped much at all in my life. What? Um yeah, I mean most of the time I'm either backpacking or like car camping to like just sleep for a few hours, you know, like before you go somewhere else. Um so it was very interesting to like be chill and carry like what I like basically half of our kitchen with us to the campsite. Um, and then we were at Lake Jacasi, I think, which is yeah, the, man. the clearest lake in the Southeast or yeah. at least in South Carolina. It's like a very beautiful lake. It's like clear, clear water, gorgeous fall days, really nice trees. Um, so that was fun. I've also been participating in an adventure scientist project to uh, sample ash trees in the area That's so they so can cool. they can track yeah. the ash borers which is 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 great it's it's been fun i am not great at finding them i've struck out at a couple of different parks <laughs> so far but i did find a couple of ash trees but not enough to like sample so right uh, the, the last weekend is this coming weekend so i'm hoping that maybe my luck will change and i can find some this weekend but um, it's a it's a kind of interesting way to get outdoors. Like I, I'm sure Disco's used to this because he does this kind of stuff for work, like where he goes and looks for looks at trees and stuff. But yeah. like it's it's kind of like a, a giant game of Easter egg hunting or something. But yeah. you get to like run around the woods. So I highly recommend it. It kind of gamifies a little bit of the like a trail run or a hike or something. So you know and. Triple O, I'll tell you this with like ID and trees and plants for that matter. There's two apps I used a boatload this summer, mainly to ID um, shrubs and forbs and even grasses to a certain extent, but they're even better for trees. One is called Picture This and one is called an iNaturalist. And basically with your phone, you just take a picture of the tree. And if you have um, a data connection, you can share the picture to the app and it immediately tells you what you're looking at. It tells you like the the tree's common name, the tree's Latin name, uh, information about that tree species, the whole bit. And yeah, I've used iNaturalist before, but I haven't used the other one. Yeah. iNaturalist also has one called Seek. Like it's by the same company, which you can also, which also does that kind of identification. And I'll, I'll say the thing with iNaturalist, it, um, you need to put in your geographic location to get a really good ID. With picture this, you don't, which is weird. And and more often than not, picture this is picture this is correct. So I don't know how I don't know like what AI robot is powering that app, but um, and you know it's sometimes I'll I'll put a I'll I'll put the the picture of the tree or the plant into both apps to see if I get a consensus. And then, you know, like if both apps are telling you like, oh, you know, this is whatever green ash, then yeah, you you can feel pretty confident that what you're looking at is a green ash tree. 
So, yeah. Well, I was super excited when I finally got one to trigger as an ash on the, because I thought it was, but there's like I found that there's other trees that are very similar to ash, so you got to be oh, pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Um. So it was a lot of false negative until I finally found one, and it felt like you know you discovered the treasure. At the end of the, <laughs> you just the you discovered the lost Dutchman's gold. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah. Very cool. All right, that's it for Trip Reports. Let's take a break. When we come back, we've got Ask a Hiker with Mike DiLorenzo and a couple of hotline calls, so don't go anywhere. right and i never listen to the trail show all right folks the trail show is back and thanks to slack jaw i'm sampling another beverage from bent run brewing company out of warren pennsylvania it is the double down double ipa ladies and gentlemen coming in at a lofty oh boy i'm feeling it too coming in a lofty 8.3 percent alcohol by volume 7,000 IBUs, and uh, it says it's unfiltered and unapologetic, a high-test version of our signature IPA. With the increased ABV comes an increased intensity of spice notes, maltness, and sweetness with a dry, clean finish. So easy drinking that you must be careful, as this one will sneak up on you. A bold beer for the bold at heart. We do not filter our beers as we believe that strips out the natural flavors that we work hard to put in there. Some sediment may occur from this and is normal. Preserve the hoppiness. Keep cold. Drink fresh. I feel like unfiltered and unapologetic could be descriptors of Fahey as well. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Triple O got a new beer. Yeah. Oh, I do. Um, it's a berry ale. Hey, now. It's a strawberry sour with mm. it's a sour ale with strawberries, chamomile, lemon, and marshmallows. Marshmallows. Like some sort of weird sweet tea or something. Yeah, it's very How does it delicious. Taste? It's nice. It's very refreshing. Really? Brewed and canned by 12% North Haven, Connecticut for Casita Brewing Company. Marshmallow. Who knew? Marshmallow. Wait, let me see that can. Let me see that can. Oh, Ooh, look at that. that looks. It looks like a it looks child's kid, drink. Kid friendly. Yeah. Dilo, are you it's drinking? It's 8%. Anything? So. 8%? Really? Slightly wow. kid friendly. <laughs> Dilo, what is that, bro? This is from Protect Worth Brewing. It's the Cemetery Road New England IPA. It's a double dry hopped. With at six point five percent ABV, thirty five IBUs. Oh, that's mellow, it's bro. For, it's it's mellow. It's for our friend Lars, <laughs> and it's from Springfield, New Hampshire. It's a nice beer. Um, okay. It doesn't it doesn't really have too much New England to it. It's just kind of a kind of a, a, a dry dry hopped IPA, crisp, not too heavy. 
Yeah. But it's got a really, uh, really cool. That's a great photo. Yeah, nice. Lars, is that Lars? Lars? Is that a yeah, picture of Lars? Lars? Yeah. Okay. Just a small, small brewery that um, um, brews some beer not too far from here. Hmm. Springfield, New Hampshire. What's nice. the closest brewery to your house, Dilo? River Roost is the closest brewery How to my far? house. That is fifteen minute walk. Oh dude, sub sub nice. one mile. Yeah, yeah. Five minute bike ride. Okay. Yep. And they, Beauty, what are you they drinking? sell uh they sell beer in all the all around here, the grocers. I'm drinking some um reverse osmosis water. Okay. Wow. What are the IBUs in ABV? Zero. Okay. Very good. Yeah, sounds right. Let's go to the hotline. Our first call is coming from a regular, but with interesting news. Oh. Hello. Hello. This is Marvin Maverick Kessler, Hikador, Tucson, Arizona. Viva los gatos. Hey, I'm just uh, wrapping up uh, another section of the Get the Grand Entrapment Trail, and. Um, yeah, heading into Safford here. Um, mm. But anyways, uh, yeah, the only time I listen to the trail shows when I'm out hiking, and uh, I just listened to that uh, August uh, episode about the Balkans. Um, and uh, holy smokes, man, I want to apologize. Three phone calls. Can't even understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I guess I learned my lesson. First of all, don't call on the ridgeline where it's really, really windy. Yeah, and man. someone was really excited about town, it sounds like. So anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, that is very annoying. And I am imposing a, a ban on me and an infraction <gasps> fine. So uh, Trail Show, you probably won't be hearing me, hearing from me for a while. Um, yeah, we need a ban because that's just some annoying stuff. But anyways, hope you're all well. Trail Show. <laughs> but Trail Show I don't think Maverick is out. Later. Maverick, Adios. Maverick doesn't understand that we don't have to play his phone calls yeah. on the show. We choose to play his phone calls on the I show. Mean, That's right. Because it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, I, mean, please I hope... don't. Please well, don't it, censor yourself. Like, it, send us. We got yeah, just send, to do just here, send us a donation, man. Like, you don't need yeah. to. It already does. No, no just send us more. I mean, send us, send more us a little audio, more. We'll... Yeah. No. Uh, and feel free, to, feel free to be as wild as you like. We don't need to play it. Need no. To... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, if, I feel if like if it's over the top, it's over the top. But we'd like to play it. We'd like to have Marvin on the trail show. We we always need a can to kick around every month, and we're happy to to have you be that person. No, I mean the more the crazier the better. Who cares? Like that's part. I mean, I don't know if he he hasn't noticed. There's not a lot of content on the rest of the show, but uh... I mean, we did it. We actually had a fair amount of content. We had two really. I missed the the second interview. Heavyweight guests. Heavyweight and. 99% 99% of everything else that has been on the show has been at least as content less as Maverick's call. So there I don't think go. he needs to feel bad about, uh, you know, that. Yeah, we, just, we just don't want Maverick to come to resent us like previous. That's true. Show favorites who now won't even associate with us. Or speak to us. <laughs> well, come. me. No, it's the whole show. I think so, so, so Marvin Maverick Castler, we 
we keep doing your thing. Keep calling the hotline, man. Just try to do it with more than one bar of cell signal. That's all we ask. Yeah. <laughs> right? Let's, That's all we ask. Come on. Let's pray that his band doesn't doesn't last too long. His self-imposed yeah. band. Please. We want uh, you back, Marvin. Yeah. Like, yes. if it, it was just this month, one call. We'll cool. move on yeah, man. to the next, come the next call we got. Please come back to the trail show. Oh, trail. baby, come back. Marvin Maverick Castle. I didn't tell you about my trip. Yeah, I'm still doing this road into to Thatcher Stafford on board. But uh, the uh, official uh, uh, oh, imposed band of uh, no longer calling the uh, trail show hotline uh, will commence tonight on um, October 18th at uh, midnight. So I'm just trying to get one more phone call in. But anyways, uh, I did see um, a Western spotted, uh, twin spotted uh, mountain rattler. I guess they're found all in New Mexico and the Sierra Madre. And they're found in like four mountain ranges in Arizona. So they're very rare. And then I also saw the the Mount Graham red squirrel, which is an endangered species. Um, so I saw a bunch of those. I also saw an agree, uh, Green Mojave, I mean a Green Mojave. Um, I didn't think they're over this part of Arizona in the southeastern part, but because when I was firefighting in the day, we'd always see them over there on the uh, western part of the state. But uh, that was cool. And then uh, the grand finale, like the magical thing that happened was I ran into an inmate fire crew that was doing some project work, and um, they ended up feeding me uh, uh, shrimp Alfredo pasta for dinner pancakes blueberry pancakes and eggs for breakfast and then they sent me on my way with um a sack lunch just my like my old fire days it was awesome anyways okay that's it i'm done calling this band could be you know one month two months it could be two years i don't know i'll talk to crom the creator and he will uh let me know how long the band shall be so you probably will not hear from me maverick is going on timeout bye now no no, no band we're, we're calling off the band immediately yeah that's right by the way, what do you think happened? What what happens to a hiker after they eat shrimp Alfredo and blueberry pancakes within? <laughs> what 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 do you guys think happens? Emergency think... hole digging happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe the the two cheek sneak uh, triple O. Yeah, you gotta go two cheek sneaks. So I think whatever happened comfort. required uh, a full one liter of backcountry bidet. Ah, a half gallon backcountry bidet. He actually, yeah, he had one of those three liter platies for his backcountry bidet. He actually had a dromedary bag, a five liter. He had an eight bag. gallon, one of the, the blue eight gallon water container backcountry bidets. Actually, what happened was after the, the Fredo and probably desserts and other things, maybe some drinks and then the breakfast. Fortunately, it was a firefighting crew, so they had actually a tanker there, and he just he got his ass grabbed the down. hose, went around the back, <laughs> like a hundred psi spray yes. down. Okay, yeah, that's oh, probably you, what happened. Can you do that with the backcountry bidet? Can you just use a garden? Hose? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. For sure. Anything that sprays water. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, like, you could pack a garden hose on the sure trail anything that's going to get the feces flakes off is yeah. good enough garden hose with a generator and a water yeah. pump. you're on your yeah. way bro or yeah. you could just wait what if you just burned some jeans well you, you're gonna need a blowtorch with yeah. your isobutane canister yeah. hmm, if you want to go that route yeah 
fucking burn, pack in a bunch of genes, burn them, generate some power with a turbine. Oh, I see. That'd be yeah. your power source. And yeah. then you could power yeah, the water. Boil some jet. water, spin the turbine, pump it through the hose. Maybe let the water cool. I don't know that I want boiling water <laughs> shooting no, onto my... Be, no, you'd be boiling water to spin the turbine. You'd be getting the oh, water. Oh, okay, okay, source, okay, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Got it. Complex. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, we need someone to do an animation of, of that thing. Yes. Right. Also of the woman getting stuck in the toilet trying to go down. Oh, why? Oh, Where are there no pictures of that event? I know. There should be a digital animation. Whoever you know, called the police picture. without taking a picture down the hall, that person yeah. failed. They yeah, failed. You should have Epic demanded failure. to look up for a yeah. picture before yeah. you called the police. We have one last call with an important message. Hey, this is Juice. Hey, I was out on the trail for a few days uh, not long ago, and, you know, there's a lot of trash out there. Pick up a little bit here and there, and you do what you can. And I just wanted to say, you know, I was walking down the trail, and there's a full Starbucks. You know, it was empty, but, you know, a Starbucks cup with the sleeve and the lid on top of it and everything, and in the middle of the trail. So I just picked it up, and I just, I just want to say, Greg, you greg oh you know how they write, they write yes up. i agree with this message yeah man. you know when he said there was a lot of trash on the trail and he usually picks some up i thought he was talking about people <laughs> <laughs> if you too okay. want to be an audio superstar you can call the hotline at 720-893-2266 that was a great call. I like that. that. Was a good call. We've and apparently, one... we're gonna have a lot of vacant tape unless Maverick breaks his band. So other trail show listeners need to step up. Yeah, step up, Maverick. Marvin Maverick Castle. No, he's he's ghosted us. So we need you. And to we we, we all know that white men never go back on their word. So seven two zero eight nine three two two six nine. Call the hotline, Delo. Yeah. Wait. Donors. Oh, donators. donors. We got to go. talk about the donators. Trail Show Nation. Disco forgets the donors every month. No, I don't. I no, appreciate no. the hell out this of This is terrible. One of you. And I get a little email. I think I've mentioned this before. I get an email every time that the monthly donors come in and I give a little, I send up a little gratitude. Yeah. That, for those donors. So I appreciate you guys every month. Um, awesome. Yep. Including Marvin Maverick. Okay. Oh. Bernard Wolf, hey. Russ Nafaskinder, Craig Where? Pisco Gully, Bobby Walters, Trevor Smoke, if you got it, the bowl man, Jeffrey Cottonmouth Caldwell, Diane Pinkers, David Stein. Sarcasm, the Alviti, Justin Quality Knowles, Ingrid Gerard, Pat, the Bouncing, Bouncer Dixon, The Weekend, Ammon, the Brute Bruce, Renee, Sheila, Patrick, Wesley, the Haggis Addict, Greenwood, Kevin, Chickpea Cross, and Sasha Honeydew Kodak, Tebow, not Tim Williams, Tommy, the Meat Popsicle, Stevens, Brandon, Lost Balls, Lovelady, Phil, Felipe, Gilbert, Dave, the Geode, the Old, Ancient, Prehistoric Hail, Tony, Shaboy, Rachel, Die, Bama, Die, Merchant, Merchant, Danthum son. What a guy. Richie Rich Lemuel Glasgow. Hey now. Mark Willie G. Ho Mayor. Oh Mayor. He's the Ho Mayor. He's a Ho and a Mayor. Eric anyway, Eric. Daniel Fundip Sharp. The Robber's son. Daniel Fundip Sharp. 
Kill Bill Cottrell. What do you think, Caboose Bass? Bass. Not Phantom of the Opera. Tim the Hooch Hooch of Paul. Hooch. True Love Baby. Tyler. The Terminator. Kermit. Kermit. Andrew Paget. Do I hear Patrick? Patricia Pitkin. Bravo Evans. Victor Flamingo. Newton. The President. Simon the German. Vampire, Vampire Rosenfeld, Rosenfeld. Marvin Maverick, Gasler, El Haikador, Gatos, Vato, no, Viva los Gatos, Vato, Vato, Jack, Thigh Billings, Burp. Jim, the Heathen, Heathener, Heathen, Paul Chisholm, Stephen Hood, Hood. Oh. Ooh, and Slackjaw for the next six months. Oh for my beer. god, double so down. much beer. Bent run. I mean, it's just unheard of. Yeah. Double down, baby. Double down. And Richie Rich Lemuel Glasgow has sent me more coffee. Lemuel. Lemuel. Also, out of the new beaker thing I have for my coffee pour over situation. Ah, uh, yes. Also, I would like to give a special shout out to one offs. Timothy Premack or Premick. Premick. Anyway, Premick. Thank you, Tim. I think he was a donor last month. Okay. And he also sent Disco and I two pairs of Eclipse oh. glasses. Yo, Timothy, your glasses went with me down to Mexico last week and were used to watch the solstice from a beach in Mexico. So. Muchas gracias, mi amigo. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And so does and my watch... down in Mexico who didn't even know the solstice was was happening until I told him. And I was like, yo, it's happening. And I got these glasses. And he was like, oh, let's go. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I uh, I was actually, I'm on, a, I'm on the board of two nonprofits. One of them's uh, a, um, an organization that raises money for providing services for people with dyslexia and we have our annual dyslexia dash in the fall so it's pretty cool the race ended right as the eclipse was getting to our totality which was 90 something percent but it was great because there were a whole bunch of kids there and we just stood there passing the glasses around so the glasses not only allowed me to see the eclipse but like mm -hmm. you know t 20 you know 8 to 13 year olds so it was pretty cool so thank you so much for that. That was really, really great. And, and because of Timothy's glass, uh, glasses glass donation, I learned that the next solstice is in April of 2024 next year. Mm -hmm. And it will eclipse. be most visible. Sorry, eclipse. It will be most visible on the East Coast. So D-Lo. It's going to yeah. be super visible. Like from just Vermont all the way down to 40, Texas. 40 miles, 40 miles north of me is like where the path of totality oh. begins. No kidding. And this man. one is is a is a is like the full eclipse, not a ring of yeah. fire one. So it's even, yo, it gets yeah. completely dark. We'll mail our our eclipse glasses to you guys because I don't think we're gonna be able to see. I don't have mine anymore. What pod? How dare you? I've still got one of the kids. One of the kids took them. So, so you can get them off Amazon though. Get they're them pretty there. easy oh, to look get. Look at this guy. Look at D-Lo, man. He's he's a uh, yeah, man. 
What's but I would definitely plan now, Trail Show Nation, if you're going to get glasses, get in yeah. now. Yeah. Because like, that, that's going to be a huge eclipse. It's going across huge populations. So those glasses are going to get very... Yo, yeah. I'm yeah. actually going to buy some glasses this weekend because this is the only pair I have well, from the Oregon eclipse from 20... Oregon. Oregon. Do your research on eclipse glasses because POD school bought a freaking truckload of eclipse glasses that apparently... And they were fine. Well, but you guys They were fine. Right? It's because our principal was all he was a ninny. It was fine. Well, there's, <laughs> there's a certain like certification cuz I mean, let's face it, you're looking at the Yeah, if if it's not good, you Yeah, the it, they were fine. The, the they were fine. Permanent. So, so like so I think my eclipse glasses are pretty good because I can see absolutely nothing right now. Yeah. yeah. Like zero, nothing, yep. absolutely nothing. I, and like, and I what about my and hands. what about when you open your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> my eyes are open. Look, see. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I might have to post a video, people. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> Timothy, thank you. Great. Yes, that was a really thoughtful gift. I appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. Straight out of Royal Oak, Michigan, my old. Michigan. Michigan, old, uh, yeah, I used to show. study in a coffee shop there all the time when I was Man. in school. So, I'm I'm always impressed with the Michigan turnout. Yeah. All like, right, let's let's get to ask a hiker. Detroit Lions, by the way, just killing it this year. That's right. So, do you, can I read a Reddit yes. post for Ask a Hiker? Because it's oh. pretty. Wait a minute. Yes. A Reddit post? Do we have? Yes, from the Onion. Uh, we the need to go to Trail Show Legal. The Onion shared with Probably. me a post that was written on Reddit. And it's a very popular post in the r slash camping and hiking. Wait a minute. Um, is this the Onion of Ice Cube fame? This yes. is the Onion okay. of the Ice Cube fame. Okay. Who reached out to, to me and maybe POD and sent this link to this extremely amazing post on reddit where somebody was asking a very informative question which we could read it would probably take up all of this month's ask a hiker just to read this it's pretty long what do you want to do man i kind of want to read it because let's go well let's do it we'll save the other question for next week yeah so here it is on our camping and hiking hosted by uh, happy truck noises who i i reached out to happy truck noises on reddit and asked if if they minded if i read their post and i haven't heard back so um happy we'll truck noises. The best. if you're listening and this and you do not approve of us reading this post um i'm sorry and feel free to, <laughs> feel free to write something and really it's a nasty. public forum right yeah feel free to write something really nasty to us next month and we'll read it on the show It'd be or really call wonderful. in or call in and and let us know how you feel and tell me that i'm disrespecting your reddit privacy or something and it'd be just super awesome and we'd love to hear that so here we go do i need to hike my own hike or i or am i justified for not wanting to backpack with newbies for reference i've been going on short backpacking trips in the appalachians for about 10 years now some with friends most solo I wouldn't at all call myself an expert, but I've certainly had my learning experiences, and I have other friends that have their own gear and make for excellent backpacking partners. Two of my friends, let's call them Bill and Barb, 
had never been backpacking aside from a short trip Bill and I had years ago. Long story short, his pack weighed 55 pounds for an overnight in the summer and would try to end the whole trip just at the first sight of rain. Keep in mind, it's a nine-hour drive home. Years later, he and his wife begged and begged for me to take them with me on a trip. I eventually begrudgingly agreed on the basis they brought exactly everything I told them to, nothing less and nothing more. That's, of course, not what happened. Hmm. After arguing endlessly, I convinced him not to bring a 12-pound mattress, 9-pound portable toilet and privacy tent, and full-size bedroom pillows. Final pack weights wound up being 45 pounds each, stuffed with a huge car camping tent, full changes of clothes for each day, enough body wipes for both of them to bathe themselves each day, and a six-pound memory foam mattress that I wound up carrying. Despite that most of the trip went pretty well, albeit we had perfect rain-free weather, I can't help but feel it have been an utter show with even an hour of rain on the trail. I had to constantly argue with him about throwing foodstuffs into the fire. Two nights in a row, he forgot trail mix in his pack at night. And at one point, he rubbed bacon grease into his skin before bed. Typically unconcerned, I went to bed in my hammock with my lamp still on my head and a death grip on my bear spray. We talked about it a bit, and his perspective is, I don't know why you care so much. You're not the one who has to carry it and deal with all the stuff. Which is a pretty fair point. On the other hand, I can't help but bacon grease. I can't help but feel that we're all stuck in a small boat together. One person's actions impact the rest, and we all end up having to pitch in to resolve another's issues. And his very impractical gear choices and decision making will inevitably cause issues that the rest of us have to assist with. He's yet to experience being cold and wet while being hours away from the trailhead but also refuses to believe that's a reality or why anyone would even go camping in the rain. So I guess I'm just greatly concerned that his refusal to deal with the discomforts of backpacking and his excessive packing thereof and carelessness toward bear safety will ultimately bite us in the ass and hard. And now he wants to bring an additional five people on the next trip, none of whom have hardly any experience camping, much less backpacking or any gear thereof. He just genuinely doesn't understand why I want no part of that. So I guess the ultimate question is, am I being reasonable in my concerns that he's too much of a liability? Or I do or do I need to just pull the stick out of my ass and hike my own hike? Alright, like we gotta address the bacon grease thing first. This is a real mm-hmm. post on Reddit. Is that true, Dilo? Yeah, it sure is. And 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 this person really carried bacon grease with them and this has nothing to do well, with the i think they cook, i mean they being a bacon. real post on reddit makes no yeah. claims to credibility yeah, in the world but, but this yes. this post has 293 comments which i feel which is, is pretty crazy yeah, yeah. So a lot of people are into this post on this forum and and he this guy really carried bacon grease for what reason no, I think he like cooked bacon and then saved the bacon grease, but instead of disposing it, he rubbed it into his skin. Isn't that what you recommended on a preview? I recommended you use it to alleviate chafing. <laughs> <laughs> many, many years ago. I believe I, I and I don't really remember because yeah, I don't look. It's been chafing. a while. 
Yeah. And it's also been probably like 10 years since I said that or something silly. And I, by the way, are we still doing the trail show? I know. What time is it? I, like, oh my gosh, it's 22-22. All right. Anyways, make a wish. Um, yeah, bacon grease. I think he just wanted to dispose of it and didn't know what else to do with it. And they rubbed it on rubbed his person's skin. Yeah, at night, you know, for to in the woods or something. I feel yeah. like but the whole think... rubbing the bacon grease on. I feel like if that's true, which of course we don't know. I mean, we gotta assume it is. I feel like there's no normal person in the world that would be like, I know I yeah. cooked bacon. Yeah. And I'm gonna put this grease on me. Yeah. Like that's yeah. So yeah. we're dealing we're dealing with a not normal person. And like to get straight <laughs> to the point of the writer of the question, extract yourself from this dude, extract yourself from his friends, extract yourself from this situation. Yeah, just He's tell the him to out. Don't don't yeah. go with this guy anymore. Just relieve yourself of that burden. I we the trail show gives you permission. Tell Bill, tell Bill and Barbie yeah. don't hike anymore. Sorry, yeah, Bill, Bill and Barbie. Yeah, tell them retired. No. Yeah, I mean this. this I really goes I to like a... the point of Go like. Ahead. I think like in it's similar to the the, the mental load of relationships and families, where mm-hmm. often the women yeah. have to take the mental load of figuring everything out, all the logistics, all they have to be like kind of the backstop on any sort of plan. Um, and this is the Amen. same thing with hiking, right? Preach. Some some hiking trips are like you're the person who has to make sure everything gets done, all the rules are followed, the permits get found, yeah, the camping sites are chosen, the water is there, everything, and that's exhausting sometimes. And it, it depends on the level and how much it is. But I remember, you know, hiking like on through hikes and stuff when you're with other through hikers is zero like you have zero mental load for other people for the most part because they're all self-contained they're all very competent and that's quite nice sometimes and sometimes it's great to take on that load and help bring people who otherwise maybe wouldn't be able to in the woods but to value that for yourself is it's not it's not unreasonable for you to decide that you don't want to be doing that especially with someone who's not listening to you or <laughs> spreading bacon grease around yeah and also I, I think that like when you agreed when you're getting someone into the backcountry and like introducing them to those new skills there's a learning curve right but i also think that like if i go if you were to go out on the river with somebody if i were to go out on the river with someone that's something that people see as inherently dangerous and they would do everything you say yeah. Like if you're the expert and you went out on the water with someone, they would do everything you say. And somehow people have this um, idyllic view of what camping is. And like, you know, they think you just, it's the same as going in the REI store. And so whatever. And one, it's stupid. And two, it's not fair. And if I'm introducing someone to the backcountry, my hope is that eventually they can become independent and then I'm not doing all the, like you said, all the mental work for them. And, you know, I, I've done some some hikes and some some stuff with Twinkle. And man, that guy, he's a planner. He 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 does all the logistics, he knows all the stuff. And I always feel a little bit like I always offer, like, hey, I don't want you to have to do all the planning, you know, like 
I'm aware of that. And so whenever I have an opportunity to do some of the planning, I'm thrilled because that's work. And so, and I don't think you should lie about it. I think if you value a friendship with these people, then you say, hey, here's the deal. I am not comfortable because of these reasons. And if you would like to go with me, here's how that has to look for me to be comfortable. And if that doesn't work for you. He already tried that. And then, but then he, no, but then he, but then he went anyway. That's the thing. You meet at the trailhead. Mm -hmm. And if they brought all the stuff, you say, sorry, I'm out. That's right. You didn't Thanks, respect yeah. me. You did not respect me. I'm going to hike and also, you down the trail. That's right. And I also want to thank Triple O for mentioning the fact that in general, in life, in general, women bear a huge brunt of planning and organizing and figuring things out. Thank you for saying that just as an aside. Just the truth. <laughs> it's got to change. That's the truth, Ruth. Yeah. I went on those red tent trips. And I gave people a very specific list. And I said, you cannot bring anything that's not on this list. And the first trip, there was one person who snuck some things in at the last minute. And I carried those things for her most of the trip. Oh, brutal. Because she you, couldn't. You carried you carried the bacon? The bacon fat on my thighs. Like they packed in the bacon fat? They didn't just pack yes. in bacon? They packed them in a glass fat. jar. Actually, it was an old coffee can. <laughs> See, I understand the bacon fat smearing into your skin thing. I, I, I that's still gets dry out there. Yeah, but well, it's not really that dry in the east. I mean, really, it's True. just not. It's but you just, could get chafing because of the humidity. You could totally get chafing because of the humidity, and then you, well, yeah, the, the bacon grease could potentially help. But really, you just want dryness, not more lube. But anyways, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still a fan of the bacon grease. Bacon you gotta cook that up. Yeah, put it in another meal. Yeah, and then you can totally. like take it right off your legs and then put it yeah. in your mac and cheese. You know cheese. what you do? You know what you do with the bacon grease? You cook your tofu in the bacon grease. That's what you do. Or your that's TVP. How, that's how you live. Yeah, you cook your TVP with your maltodextrin in the bacon grease. I mean, that thread is crazy. Yeah, and it's interesting because people are like why do you care about what they're doing? And I'm like, he cares about what they're doing, or this person cares about what they're doing because we're ten it's miles going back to... in the woods. I know. Together, you know? Like, you're like, dude, if this guy like can't make it out of here, I'm gonna be like, okay, let's let's figure this out, you know. Good luck. But yeah, I think I think homeboy should just go car camping. Yeah, Bill and Barb just go car camping. Yeah, just go car camping and day hiking. It's perfect. It's beautiful. You'll be you'll be in the woods. You can reuse that bacon grease. You can smear that bacon grease on you. You can bathe in the bacon grease. Put it in your car seats. You can use it to, like, you know, style your hair. It, it's wonderful. It's it's great, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Car camping sounds like the way you want to be living. Great. That was this month's Ask a Hiker question. Thank you to Reddit. Camping and Hiking Forum on Reddit. And a special huge thanks to the Happy Truck Noises uh, and again, if you uh, object to us reading this on the trail show, please write something super nasty and we will totally share it with our audience <laughs> next month and it'll probably it'll, go on for months yep. and months and months. It'll be really fun. So hopefully you didn't object, but if you do, please let us know. Thank you. All right, folks, this is the part of the show where the show ends. We want to thank everyone for tuning in today. 
Big thanks goes to M. John Fahey and Melissa Wright for guesting on tonight's show. You can find A Long Tangent at fine independent book retailers everywhere. And you can find Melissa at womenwhoexplore.com. Many thanks to all our hotline callers, you too. Like I said earlier, it can be an audio superstar by calling the hotline at 720-893-2269. Last but definitely not least goes to all our monthly donors. You all are the gasoline that keeps this internal combustion. This flaggo. This flaggo. Uh, flagging on. Fuego. 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 Yeah. For the U. Yeah. Trail show stickers are in stock. We've got all kinds. We've got black ones. We've got ones with clear background. We'll send you one of each. Just oh, yeah. They're finish. very cool. The black and white ones, by the yeah, way. Triple O, did you get yeah, the one? Yeah, I did get that? the mail. Awesome, it's man. Look, oh, it's uh, I meant to mention that. Okay, cool. They're classy. I got to find something classy to put them on. Oh, like boy. tuxedos or something. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, just hit the donate button. Just hit the <laughs> That beer's starting to hit. Uh, these double down, dipple, dippy, dippy, yeah. All right. Sometimes we're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're in all the places that you know about Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Audible, Apple, Spotify, all those places. Thanks for hiking with us today. We know you have many podcasts to choose from. We appreciate you hiking with the Trail Show. Come back and see us again in November for our annual Trail Show Thanksgiving Day Parade. Which is guaranteed to be full of beers trails. <laughs> Until then, I'd like to leave you some words from Werner Herzog. The world reveals itself to those who travel on foot. For POD, D-Lo, Triple O, John Fahey, and Melissa Wright, I'm Disco. Ciao. Ciao. Good quote. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Travel on foot. Whoop, whoop. Travel on foot. Step by step. Pedestrian. Pedestrian. Travel Watch on out foot. for the cars. Travel on foot. Make eye contact with drivers. Make eye contact with drivers. Oh, Ingrid Gerard. She's in yeah. Vermont. You're in Vermont. Have you seen her? No. <laughs> I don't know where Ingrid Gerard is. Is she still hey, good? Dude, she donated to the trail show like. Bro, she's been back down. in the day. She, she hasn't canceled her automatic donation. <laughs> she is trail show VIP, man. I was actually thinking just this month. I was like, I should go through and see. Well, obviously, Bobby Walters is our longest. Yes. But Ingrid Gerard could be like second oh. runner up. I feel like Ingrid Gerard. Also, Bernard Wolf. Yeah. 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 Bernie Wolf has been yeah. with us since the beginning. But Ingrid Gerard, D'Lo. She's Where right in the backyard, man. Where is she? I don't even know. Where is she, though? Who is nope. she? Nobody knows. She's still sending us money? Mm-hmm. $1 a month? She sends us... Oh, oh, are you serious? $1 no, a month? <laughs> no, I don't know. What no. Five cents. She sends us a nickel every quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Oh, man. I think that's right. Okay. Good Time for my midnight you. snack. You too, man. Sixth grade band. And I was I was sitting on a bar stool. I know that will come as a big shock to everybody. Mm. You know, whatever floats your boat. You know, maybe if I try dropping acid or something, maybe I'll see it.
<laughs> Beer should never be in your possession long enough to become expired. I don't know if he, he hasn't noticed. There's not a lot of content on the rest of the show. Disco, before he logs off, will you yeah. will you pan over and show him my uh, my painting of the gimpy? Oh yeah, of your trail dog. Might need to turn on a light. His here. name was Gimpy. He had a bit of a flat tire. He had a bad yeah. hip. That fourth leg wasn't uh, wasn't the best. <laughs> That's my Gimpy right there. <laughs> this is a big uh, portrait of Mister Gimpy. Sweet. It even includes his little red rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway oh, I, thought a lot, I thought a lot about him when i was reading the book so well good I, appreciate I, I, that. I hope i hope you thought fondly oh yes. yeah